I have a good story. Oh, good. I, it's why I'm late. <laughs> <laughs> just two hours and 15 minutes. Just all. two hours and 15 minutes. Well, number one, you were gracious enough. I told you we scheduled <laughs> this this afternoon, and I had a furniture delivery scheduled for one, a one to five window. Yep. And I said, <laughs> and you said I'm kind of flexible. And I said, thank God. And I said, I'll bet you, I'll bet you they show up at 4.59. <laughs> Pretty close, right? Uh, I think they showed up at 4.40. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, yeah. 20 minutes before the windows window closed. Yeah. Uh, Which, you know, okay, they made it. Well, but here's the thing. It, it's nerve-wracking because we're having renovations done on the downstairs. Like my office is downstairs and, and we've been here for a couple of years and I've never, we've never really done my office. Like that was like to be done later. Um, and we had the stairs painted. We, I mean, just painted. I mean like so just painted that the painters are still painting my office, but they've already done the stairs. And we have, the I, I love this guy. His name is Oleg. Uh, he was born in Poland, and he is the greatest painter, house painter you would ever want because he's he's obviously got like uh, Ted Williams uh, twenty forty vision, right? Like it, it, you know, this guy <laughs> can spot like a flaw on a, a wall or a ceiling all the way across the room, and he'll be like, "Oh, that was you know a patch." The guy is an absolute perfectionist, but he works fast, right? Like it's like the ideal combination, right? And he shows up every day on time, and he's it's, and he's just just a delightful delightful man, and he does meticulous work, but works fast, right? Like yeah, I'm a perfectionist. I love being a perfectionist. You know what I don't do? <laughs> I don't work, work fast. fast. Yeah, <laughs> no. right. You usually do not see that both of those in the same person. Yeah. Right. We had great guys. We had our basement redone again. Uh, and, um, these, these guys are Russians and they were fantastic. They weren't, they're not perfectionists, but they were certainly good enough for the basement (laughs) and they were quite fast. So that was good. Oleg was still here (laughs) and was here to watch the the guys delivering this big piece of furniture up the (laughs) stairs. (laughs) <laughs> and let them know that he just painted the walls <laughs> and gave them his Polish stink eye <laughs> as they brought it up the stairs. And they have to say they did a great job. But anyway, that's number one why I'm late, because I had to wait for this furniture delivery. And I, I had uh, you know, told Amy that I would take care of it, and uh, I did. And then I thought, well, why don't I go get coffee? There's a, you know, My local coffee place is, is about five minutes away. I told you it would be five minutes. Because Amy wanted a coffee, too. And she likes, like, a caramel macchiato thing that you can't make at home. And I thought, wouldn't that be a nice treat for her, you know, because I'm going to disappear here for, for two hours, do a podcast. I'll go out. And, and it's very cold today. It is it is negative uh, 43 degrees here in Philadelphia. <laughs> 36 degrees. But I think the feels like is negative 40. The, I don't have the feels like on, but that's what it feels like. But I thought, this wouldn't that be a nice thing to do? You know, it's it's, you know. That's what you do for your wife. You you know you do yeah, nice sure. things. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Uh, look at me, husband of the year. I, I bought her a coffee, <laughs> right? And it's only February. Yeah, right. You can take the rest of the year off. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I think five minutes, which that's you know that's normal for getting a coffee. Well, I'm at the coffee shop, waiting for the macchiato, and my mom calls. 
<laughs> my dad. That's not going to take five minutes. My dad handed her his iPad. And she said, and the thing at the top that you dragged down was already down, and I touched something, and it went into dark mode. Now, why he handed her the iPad while Control Center was down, I don't know. But what I did is I thought, well, I know how to fix this. I was like, unfortunately, you know, none of the things in Control Center are labeled. They're all just icons. And I'm not quite sure how to describe the dark mode icon, right? It's a circle that's half dark and the other half is inverted. I don't know if that's good enough for my mom. Uh, And I thought, I got it. I'll just show her on my phone. And I pulled down mine. I said, look, I'll just text you the answer. Stand by. And I got off the phone, pulled down my control center, took a screenshot, took out the markup tools and drew like a red circle around the dark mode icon and said this, and then I texted it to her. She calls back as I'm on my way home. Dad doesn't have that icon. <laughs> and I said, yeah. well, <laughs> but that's, he, I said, but this, that whole, con- that's called control center with all these things. She goes, yes, I know that this, that's what it was. And it was open when he handed me the iPad and I touched something and put it into dark mode. And I said, well, then he has to have that icon. I said, the colors might be reversed because it's, you know, don't, don't, it, it may not look exactly the same because the screenshot I sent you was light mode. I, and then I'm suddenly cursing myself for not having put my phone into dark mode <laughs> before taking the screenshot, right? And I want to, I want to, I want to emphasize here, my, my mom is a very smart woman. She's a very bright woman, but she is very, very uh, not good with computers. <laughs> Yeah, and and very she lacks confidence in them, and and that's the thing. As, as yeah. like, if well, she I think, would, yeah, that's the huge difference. If right? she yeah. would just try, she could figure it out. But yeah, well, it eventually, and this is this took several minutes. I'll skip it. I figure out that his phone or his iPad was not in dark mode. <laughs> she had t- turned the brightness all the way down. Oh. <laughs> Wit, but she's the one who mentioned dark mode. I actually, now that I think about it, I don't think she actually has any idea what capital what D dark mode is. Yeah, capital D, capital yeah. M dark mode is. Yeah, she, it's just a comedy of errors that she literally chose the words dark mode to describe what happens when you turn an iPad's brightness all the way down. And then I said, "Oh, okay." There, it's the brightness. <laughs> Gotta take another screenshot. Well, I didn't take a screenshot because at this point I was like overdue. I was already home. I had given Amy her coffee, and I'm just packing up my my MacBook to take it down to this you know my podcast cave to to do this with you. And I'm already a little embarrassed because I've I've put you out uh, <laughs> longer than we're going to record, which is actually you know possibly a long time. <laughs> and I said it's 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 a larger button. It's like a a capsule shaped button, double the height uh, of the regular buttons, uh, and it has an icon that looks like the sun, and it's a slider. Just drag it up. And she goes, He doesn't have that one. <laughs> <laughs> and she said, He has a moon. He doesn't have a sun. And, and, and at this point, Amy's like dying of laughter. And she, she's, she says, It's right next to the moon. 
And I said, yes, it's right next to the moon. And she goes, no. And I said, well, it, you probably can't see the sun icon very well because, because you have you it all the way down the, the bottom. All the way down past it. And she goes, no. And I said, I'm telling you, there's an oblong button, double the height of the moon. I said, you see the moon one? Yes. To the right, there's, a, there's a, another button. It is twice the height of it. It's probably all dark. Just put your finger on it and slide up. And then she did it, and it solved all the problems. And she's very gracious. And and, <laughs> and there's why I'm like, because my mom put my dad's iPad in dark mode. Yeah. I didn't realize if you long press that, it, um, it opens up and gives you dark mode on and off and night shift on and off. I didn't know that. Yeah. There we go. There's a hot tip. I just tried that. So she could have turned on dark mode, even though his icon wasn't on there. Huh. How about that? So you don't yeah. need the dark mode. No, yeah, because it's already there. Yeah. I mean, you have to long press, but you know, that's not, yeah. there not we that go. big a deal. Well, yeah. there's, there's the talk show tip of the week. <laughs> How you doing, John? Uh, I'm fine. Yeah. It's a beautiful day here. It's, it's not it's, – uh, I think it's like 55 today. It's uh, sunny like crazy. We, we've been all over the – you know what? It, it was very cold here, but it was sunny, which is – you know that's all you can ask for in February on the East Coast. And we've had – the most remarkably mild winter you could imagine. We've had some cold weather, but we have had zero snow, zero ice. Like I, I just realized, you know, because some of this uh, renovation work we're having, we're letting them use our garage, you know, to, to to store stuff around our car, and so it's like <laughs> it's like an obstacle course. Just, mm-hmm. And I thought that's where we keep the the rock salt. And I was just reading an article about. Hey, how come the East Coast hasn't had any snow? And I thought, uh, hey, shoot, where's the snow? Where's the salt? Uh, and then I realized, you know what? Forget it. I don't even care where it is. Because I remember last year I ran out of salt, and it was a bad storm. And I just went to around the corner. This is the advantage of living in the city. I just walked around the corner, and they had, like, plenty of it. And I thought, well, there's my salt. <laughs> I'll just buy <laughs> Just store it there. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. I just <laughs> store it at the the corner at mart the store. Oh, that's why they call it a store, <laughs> right? And I just remember thinking when I went to buy it, you know, it's like uh, it, you know uh, buying an umbrella in a rainstorm. It's like either they're going to like gouge yeah. me or they're going to be out. But it was wonderful. They had like <laughs> they had like an entire pallet <laughs> piled up with it. They were like ready for for everybody in the neighborhood to need salt. And I was like. Oh, so I don't have to worry about it. But anyway, it just got me thinking that uh, we have had a very strange winter here on the East Coast. Yeah. I mean, I guess I can't complain. I mean, it's like if we're going to have screwed up climate and destroy the entire planet for all life, (laughs) at the very least, I haven't had to shovel any snow. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Um, is (laughs) Is that a thing that we should be happy about? Uh well I guess does that does that really make it better I mean maybe it makes it better in the short term but in the well, long term it doesn't make it any better <laughs> well everybody said well I guess everybody says that you know calling it global warming was sort of a mistake at the beginning climate yeah. change is a better because that sounds good right and one of the side effects has nothing to do w- with the temperature well it's caused by the temperature overall it is global warming it's like a one or two centigrade increase over time and that's enough to cause all sorts of havoc with ice caps melting and extra water and sea levels rising and currents changing and and all of these weird things including as predicted the increase in extreme slash weird weather 
bigger, worse hurricanes and, and tsunamis and stuff like that. And just weird weather, like dry, you know, these, these droughts that are plaguing California with these terrible fires and et cetera, et cetera. So yeah. I, I, you know, and, and again, and, it could just be, you know, there have been, you know, like in my childhood, weird winters where there was never any snow, which felt like a ripoff, you know? Yeah. It always felt like, yeah, I feel like when I was a kid, I felt like, I mean, looking back on it in my memory, it, it was like it started snowing the first day of November and it snowed all the way through uh, <laughs> the first day of April. Right. <laughs> which, of course, was not true in any regard. But, uh, you know, in Connecticut, we got we got some good snows and, and made some big snow forts, too. But you don't get that. We don't get that much here in Washington, although we've had we've had some snow uh I think Hank has a, had a couple of snow days this year already. Probably won't have any more, but still, we don't usually get a lot of snow. Hmm. Hmm. And, the, and that's and that you know, and it's not to say that it was a lot, but it's just that they don't have they, we can't handle it out here. So when we get any snow, they usually get the day off. Hmm. Uh, so how you been? I guess huh? I asked that already. Yeah. yeah, you did, but I'm still fine. <laughs> in the in the three minutes since you asked me last, I'm still fine. <laughs> I, it's a good thing that your mom didn't um, have a question about uh, multitasking on the iPad. You know what? I've told. Did I? Did, was this on the podcast or when I wrote? I wrote about it. She did have yeah. problems with it, and she. Yeah, that's right. That's she right. did. She had pr- <laughs> profound problems with it. Where she it, I, and to me, the it was the it, it exhibit A in the case against the multitasking interface as it stands and having it on by default. Where she's she's a prototypical, very simple iPad user who really just uses Safari, Mail, Messages. And, you know, maybe some games, although I think, yeah, yeah, she plays like Words with Friends and like a handful of games. But Safari, lots. She's an avid reader, a consumer of news, uh, mail and uh, messages. And somehow going from mail where she she, and she's one of these she likes to sign up for like newsletters from cnn and and stuff like that i mean that's which you know i guess that's why they offer them uh but somehow would continuously wind up with a, 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 a two instances of safari including one that was in the sidebar you know and not having no idea how to get out of it and she found the setting in general settings general you know, home screen and multitasking, I think, is the section. It's not even in accessibility. It's like in the home screen and, you know, allow multiple apps or something like that. And she turned it off, and now her iPad works exactly as she wants it to. Huh. Well, that's uh, good. So she didn't have to call you then? No. <laughs> uh, uh, I got I got a couple of things. You see the agenda? I'm actually somewhat organized. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. I guess we should start with the sad news, right? Larry Tesler died yeah. unexpectedly. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's sad news? 75? 74. 74. 74. And it was sort of unexpected. They didn't say what the cause was. I saw, I think it was the New York Times obituary from John Markoff said that he, he his wife said they didn't know what caused his death, but that he had, he apparently had a bicycle accident a few years back and had never quite been right since. Um mm. And I guess they, you know, I, I don't know. I don't want to read into it, but terribly sad. Too soon, you know. Yeah. 
but what a what a what a career and what an influence on on the Mac interface. I mean, I had a couple of links on Daring Fireball about his influence, but uh, but it's so odd to me. And again, it's you know, I don't want to make it all about me. It's you know Larry Tesler who died, but it's so odd that I really have been thinking a lot about him because I've been thinking and writing so much about this iPad multitasking stuff. And it really did occur to me before he died this week that his no modes mantra is sort of at the root of my complaint about the multitasking where it's these, it feels like going into a different mode for, for different things like putting two apps into side by side mode i mean there's no other way to call it than a mode is so weird Mm -hmm. because the first one you just tap the icon which so far so good and then to get that second one you have to do a tap and a hold on the icon in the in the the home tray or you know the dock whatever you call it or as i found out from from avid ipad users you can go to spotlight and search for an app and from spotlight you can tap and hold the app put it so it doesn't have to be in the dock which i erroneously thought but uh, uh, seemingly 90 percent of people who even know what ipad multitasking is also thought that you had to have the app in the dock be- yeah. because you can't just do it from the app on the home screen um so that's weird that the one way to get an app the way to get the first app in split screen is one way and the other is another way so that's a mode and then the weird way that like if you have an instance of Safari next to messages and another instance of Safari next to notes. You have to go to an entirely different mode to see them both at the same time. You have to swipe up and go into that multitasking mode, which sort of puts them in a a three by two tiled arrangement that you can, you know, that makes it look like they're windows. Um, but that the way that they're arranged isn't really spatially oriented in any way to the normal mode of using the iPad. Anyway, it, it's very modal, and I think it gets to the sort of heart of Tesla's life's work, uh, arguing against modes. Yeah. I'm just I'm playing with it right now. <laughs> uh, I, I, so Because I, <laughs> I was trying to figure out what you with the, the part you were talking about with um, Spotlight. Because I've never, I've never even tried that. Yeah, that's isn't that weird. I mean, I yeah. wouldn't have guessed that you could do it from there, but you can't do it from the home screen. Uh, I do think so. Like the one thing that iPad multitasking, as it stands today, does get right is that if you have, if you if you have su- successfully navigated the maze to get the piece of cheese to have two apps <laughs> side by side on screen, right? Let's say you have. Uh, notes on the left, Safari on the right. And you would like to switch them to be the other way around. You would like, you know, just go, take the one on the left, put it on the right, and have them go. You can actually do what you think you should be able to do, which is sort of tap in the dead space of the toolbar of one of the apps and hold, and then just drag it over, and it will do exactly what you think. But very little of iPad multitasking works that way, where you just tap on the thing, the window, the tile, whatever you want to call it, on screen, tap it, drag it over, and then the other one slides over to the other spot and does it. But very little of it works that way. Yeah. And I am one of those people who has basically just given up on it. I don't... Uh, The only time... I mean, I haven't turned it off, and maybe I should, because I really don't use it, but... 
the only times I initiate it are usually by accident. <laughs> so yeah, I don't. So I don't use it. I, I I don't either. Although I'm keep I still I still have it on because I want to write so much about it. And yeah. so so like if I if it wasn't my on my top of my mind to write about this, I would just turn that setting off and relish the simplicity of <laughs> never having to worry about anything uh, going into a second instance. Uh, and it is I I and again I. There is something about my brain. Maybe it's age. It might be. You know, I write about this, and it's inevitable that people start calling me the old, you know, whatever old man, you know, because I'm the old guy who who only understands the Macintosh. Um, but I, I do. I keep forgetting that, uh, like, when you somehow either purposefully or accidentally wind up with two instances of Safari, how do you get them merged back into one? And it has nothing to do with the system-wide multitasking interface. It is, uh, it's like in the tabs button inside Safari, you can press and hold the, you know what I mean, the tabs button. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think you can press and hold. And if you have multiple instances, you can, yeah. So you press and hold it, and normally it just says, like, close all tabs, close this tab, open new window, new private tab, new tab. But if you have multiple instances of Safari, you can say merge all windows, and it'll merge them. But, which is great, so it's there, but I always forget how the hell to do it because I don't think to do it within Safari. I feel like I should be able to do it at the system level. Yeah. Uh, because I feel like it should work the same way for all apps, although I guess Safari is different because it actually has tabs, and if you have two instances of notes open, how do you merge them? Because there, there's no way within one note. There's no tab yeah. interface. Yeah, right. Um, you can't do it there. But the fact that none of that is consistent system-wide is it, it's yeah. the whole thing I'm arguing about, that this is not a small problem with a small solution. This is something that is fundamentally limited, that everything should be like Safari and have tabs or something something like that. I, I, again, I, it's not my job to come up with a solution, but it's my job to point out how, how problematic this is. Uh, I always forget. I am, it's my job to remember stuff. I, I always forget. So there's my uh, second uh, the talk show t- tip of the week. <laughs> if you wind up with two Safari windows in iPad and don't want them, want them merged, go to one of them, go to the tabs button, press and hold, and there will be a merge all windows uh, that'll do it. The good news is that it'll merge them in a way that is seemingly random in terms of the way the tabs show up. <laughs> <laughs> next to each other <laughs> and so you get to play God. you get to play a game where's that tab find that tab find that tab yeah which is you know it's a very fun game it's really it's it should be part of apple arcade in my opinion so it doesn't put it at the end and if it does, it, it just uh, sticks it someplace in the middle. Is it, it doing it, it alphabetically? Or I don't something? know. I don't know. It doesn't seem huh. it doesn't seem rational to me. Maybe maybe I'm wrong, but it, it, in my experience, it doesn't seem rational. Uh, is it a function of having opened? Is it? I mean, is it still? I wonder if it's still like technically just another tab, and um, and it has an index that's still in. Like, and if you open more tabs, then it's they come after that one. I couldn't tell you. Yeah, I couldn't tell you. You'd have to test that several times to figure that out. (laughs) Yeah, I couldn't tell you. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) 
Uh, let me take a break and thank our first sponsor. And I'm very excited. This is the first time they've sponsored the show. Um, Collide. K-O-L-I-D-E. I would have said Collide. They've, they've been sponsoring my website, uh, Daring Fireball, for at least a year, maybe a little longer. They're a repeat sponsor on Daring Fireball, and I thank them for that. And I've been calling them Collide in my mind for, for a long, very long time. And uh, then I was listening to the ATP podcast where they sponsored, and and Marco said it was Collide, and I thought, ooh, <laughs> and I because I knew I had an Make upcoming a metal note. I knew they were coming up. I knew they were coming up here <laughs> on my show, and so I emailed them, and they were and and they were very nice to me, but they acted like it was the dumb, <laughs> dumbest question they ever heard. But anyway, it's, I would think that these ad- advertisers would start getting to know you, and yeah, yeah, and, <laughs> and start sending pronunciations in advance. Yeah, yeah, you know, like you would, you know, for uh, you know, like a kindergarten, you know, reading sure. primer, <laughs> right? <laughs> anyway, Collide, K O L I D E. They are a software as a service startup, and uh, oh, here it is in the notes, pronounced Collide, <laughs> John. I John. swear to God, they did put this here. <laughs> <laughs> that is working to solve security challenges for tech companies that run large Mac fleets and use Slack. In the world of Mac management, the current accepted practice is to buy an MDM and then use it to lock down devices so users can only do quote-unquote safe things. The end result is that your users become frustrated and don't understand why their devices' features and capabilities are turned off. Do this often enough and they will start using their personal devices to actually get their work done. Collide is different. Collide believes that end-user education about device security is the top priority. Instead of locking down the device, Collide allows you to monitor it continuously to see if it is compliant with your security policy. If it isn't, Collide will message your employees via Slack and walk them through the policy, why it is important, and give them precise instructions on how to fix the issue themselves. Collide will even message the user the instant they fix the problem so they know they did it right. Collide does all of this by using an endpoint agent called OS Query, which is 100% open source, doesn't degrade the performance of your Macs, and provides important information to security analysts without violating the privacy of your end users. Collide is free for your first 30 days across all of your devices. That includes Windows and Linux, too. But they know my audience, probably a lot of Macs. And you can sign up on their website today at collide.com, K-O-L-I-D-E dot com. My thanks to Collide. Uh, uh, what else is on the agenda here? Are we done with iPad? I kind of think yeah, we yes, should so. be because... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, did you want to mention, did you... Um, oh. Yeah. Well, I, while we're talking about Larry Tesler, I just wanted to say, I, I thought I, there was one of the things I linked to was a, a tweet thread by Chris Espinoza, um, who's kind of been at Apple a long time. Um, I think his employee number is six. <laughs> I was going to say. <laughs> and he's been there. Seems like he's probably been there a while. <laughs> and, he's, and he's been there continuously. <laughs> Uh, and who is also a very nice, very nice individual. I've met Chris a couple of times, um, but he had a, just a wonderful thread, very brief. I, I'll put it in the show notes, uh, but I linked it on Daring Fireball about how all of the uh, obituaries for Tesla are sort of leading with 
the inventor of cut, copy, and paste, uh, which I think he does deserve credit for. Um, but he did so much more. But you know, it, it, I don't blame you. But I mean, what do you got? How long is the headline going to be for an obituary? And it's not a bad thing in terms of letting. You know, like the readers of the New York Times, uh, just just have a stake in. Hey, I didn't. You know, I think right. cut, copy, and paste are so ingrained in our minds that it's hard to remember. I've cut, copied, and pasted. Yeah, it's hard right. to remember that they were a, an invention. You know, and that it was something worse. But that you know, like prior, his anti-modality campaign was that you know word processors before the work that he and his team did at Xerox Park had. <laughs> They were so modal that they had different modes for adding text and different modes for editing text. Like, <laughs> like, you know, like think of the contacts app on iOS. You open up a contact and it's read only, right? And then you hit an edit button at the top and now you can edit the stuff and delete fields and add fields and there's two modes. And, you know, the modal thing doesn't mean that all modes are bad. Maybe that's actually a good selection for iOS because you don't, you know, for something that you tap, maybe you don't want everything to be editable all the time. But it's kind of obvious and, and you know, it, it, I don't want to give short change to all of his work, but he even Larry Tesla would admit you, that doesn't mean never have a mode. Just if you need one, don't use one unless you really need it. And if you do make it obvious how you get in and how you get out. Um, and Espinosa's thread just uh, emphasized how, how thoughtful his stuff was. And it was about how in the early Macintosh uh, by this time, Tesla w was at Apple um, like around 1982, they were implementing uh, copy and paste for text editing and that they just inserted, they were happy enough, the Mac team. And, you know, this is a team full of real sticklers for, you know, trying to do insanely great work, as, as they said. They were just going to take a string of text and wherever the insertion point is, if you pasted, it would just add that string right there. And so if you were at the end of a word and you were going to paste another word, the word would be right up against the previous word with no space in between it. And Tesla was like, no, no, that's not good enough. <laughs> right? Like, and Espinosa said, I was thinking like a programmer, and a programmer thinks, I want the precision. I know that I have the string M-O-L-T-Z on the clipboard, and the insertion point is right next to the N in J-O-H-N, and if I paste, I expect... Molts to be right next to the John with no space because if I wanted a space, I'd have typed a space, and that's uh, the way a programmer thinks. And Tesla, you know, insisted he and he was thinking the way people think, and the way mm -hmm. people think is I've got a name, I got a first name, and I got a second name on the clipboard, and when I paste, I would like it to look like a normal name, <laughs> which is John space Molts, and. Like, and then had the thoughtfulness to write it up in a heuristic that could be implemented programmatically in a way that wouldn't annoy the programmer types like Espinoza who expect it. Like, what do you, you know? And, and I think part of that heuristic is like if you're in the middle of a word and you paste, then it really does appear without spaces because it assumes, well, you're in the middle of a word, right? It's just so many little details like that that made the Mac great right from day one and and you can attribute them to him yeah i did not know um until i read your blurb on during fireball that he had worked on the newton as well 
Oh yeah, yeah. He was a. Uh, uh, I think that might have been the last big thing he did while at Apple. I know he was still in the advanced technology group after that, but in terms of stuff that actually shipped, that was part of it. Although I guess no, that's not true because the the advanced technology group did work that led to Wi Fi and and stuff like that. But yeah, he was definitely a big part of the Newton, and the Newton was very very anti-modal in a great way. Yeah. Yeah, I always liked I always liked the cut copy and uh, the cut and paste interface for that. Yeah, yeah, it where was, you drag it to the side and then you could still see it. You yeah. still see the thing that you had that you were going to move someplace else, and you move to the other place and then you just drag it back in. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, so anyway, R.I.P. Larry Tesler. I, I've got more stuff saved up in tabs so there'll be more stuff on daring fireball there's so much more to write about um but what a shame um next on the agenda what do we got uh how about this do you see this malware bites quote-unquote scandal last week yeah uh yeah it, i tried to ignore it for a while because it just made me angry but. yeah i <laughs> It's one of those things where I started writing about it and it was getting too long. I was like, this isn't worth me spending all this time on. And I wound up, I didn't link to it until just today, in fact, before we were getting ready for the show. And I just punted and just linked to Michael Tsai's write up, which has his usual amazing collection of commentary from around the web and Twitter. And uh, Jason Snell did the yeoman's work of actually sort of writing about it intelligently. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and it is – so basically, for those who didn't see it, the Malware Bytes Labs is an anti – they make their money selling antivirus software. So I, I think it's fair to say there's a conflict of interest in terms of their interpretation of <laughs> – Mac users' needs for third-party antivirus software. Yeah. But they released their report on the 2020 state of Mac uh, software and said, this is a quote from their report, Mac threats increased exponentially in comparison to those against Windows PCs in 2020, while the overall volume of Mac threats increased year over year by more than 400%. That number is somewhat impacted by a larger malware bytes for Mac user base in 2019. However, when calculated in threats per endpoint, Mac still outpaced Windows by nearly two to one, um, which sounds really bad. Um, and it's not nonsense or bullshit yeah. or made yeah. up, right? right? It's not great either. Uh, yeah, it's not great. It's yeah. I mean, you you prefer the numbers would go down, right? Um, but it it involves a, a broad interpretation of uh, threats or ma- calling what you call malware, you know, and it, it it it's catnip for the tech press, right? And it has been. I mean, forever. I mean, yeah. uh, going back till uh, you and I started writing for the public it has never not been a thing to try to make that that the uh, the conventional wisdom is that Macs don't get malware and Windows gets malware and that's the conventional wisdom and then anything that that refutes that 
is catnip to the tech press because it's it's a, a, a man bites dog story, right? Right. Yeah. And it's always it always <laughs> always comes down to <laughs> uh, at some point there's somebody who will say Mac users or I I can't you know somebody says that Macs quote unquote can't get malware. <laughs> Right, which is something that nobody who knows what the hell they're talking about has ever said. Right, nobody's ever said it. It has never been true. Nobody's tried to say it's true. Um, it 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 does require nuance, and then so therefore we're already we're already screwed. Yeah. Um, but basically, I feel like, like maybe early on, because the, the the different disparity was so great, it did seem like to some people that. Yeah. The reason must be because Apple's coding was better; that Apple had fewer, yeah, you know, exploitable flaws or whatever, well, which was I, I not think, real, not the case. Well, really. I think it was, it, was, it was a lot of it was mostly because Windows just had the larger market share, and if you're going to write something, you're going to write something against Windows. No, no, I think it was true at one point. I think there was a point where where Windows was easily more easily exploited by poor security practices on Windows part, that there were exploits, like exploits that would actually let a remote intruder take over the machine. Um, to me, the canonical example of it is Word uh, Office macro uh, viruses, which were in, in, insidious. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah. All you had to do was open a, a, a Word document with a macro virus. You just open the .doc file and... It, you, you were your your machine was screwed and it would spread right and and that's the thing is we've sort of lost the meaning of virus in the computer sense where it you know in the real world a biological virus which unfortunately we're going <laughs> to is on the agenda for today's show <laughs> it, it, but you know as we're reminded by the news around the world right now a virus is a thing that spreads on its own which is what makes it so insidious um, and a computer virus should be uh, – that's a term that should be used for a type of malware that spreads on its own, you know, and and there was a time when – you know, and Max used to – a long time ago, Max had a terrible problem with viruses. Uh, there was a great app uh, – what was his name? John Norstead. Uh, he had an app – free app called Disinfectant. Were you using a Mac back then? Do you remember oh, disinfectant? Yeah. disinfectant? Yeah, I remember disinfectant. Disinfectant was amazing because disinfectant was totally free and it was totally unobtrusive on your Mac and it totally worked. But there were viruses on the Mac that spread just by inserting a floppy disk. I mean, so it was literally the, the computing equivalent of an STD. That if yeah. you if you if there was a an infected Mac, and you put a floppy disk in, that Mac would write the virus to the floppy disk, and then you would pop it out, and then you would put it into your Mac, and just by putting it in, your Mac would would get the same virus, and it 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 really was that that little interactivity just put a floppy disk in an infected mac take it out put it in another one and the other mac would have it disinfectant nuked all of them and he kept it up to date it was really great 
Uh, but that, you know, that's a real, that was a real problem that, that the Mac faced in the early nineties, like when I was at, uh, Drexel University and, and we didn't really, we didn't have a network at the time. We had to get software. You'd go to the computer lab and, and the way you got like software that was site licensed for the whole university for Mac users or even courseware, like, you, you know, like your professor would say, go to the computer lab with a floppy disk and, and, you know, put in your course number and you'll get all this stuff. Like, you know, some courses, you know, had like custom hypercard stacks. It was, it was kind of an amazing time to be a Mac user at college. But, you know, part of the thing was that if you, you, you had to have disinfectant because, you know, and, and all of the lab machines had disinfectant, but they would tell you sometimes, like, for, I, you know, I was, you know, didn't happen to me because I'm me. But I had friends who'd be like, holy shit, I put my floppy in and it told me my floppy was infected, you know. And I was like, yeah, you got to get disinfectant. So anyway, I've never, ever, ever, I mean, this was, that was like 1991, 1992. Like I've known for, God, that's close to 30 years that Macs have never, quote unquote, not gotten malware. Um, but the stuff that that faces the Mac today is not viruses. It's not things yeah. that spread without you doing anything. Like you just, you know, it's all. I don't know what you want to call it. Scamware, trickware. Yeah, it, I think they use adware, um, yeah. but it's a, but it's a variety of different. It's not just things that show pop up ads or something. Yeah, Dan Gooden at Ars Technica had a good piece just at the end of January about this this sort of. Uh, and some of them they look so bad, but but basically there's a, a whole bunch of them are just fake Adobe Flash installers, and that's particularly insidious, kind of obvious, kind of clever. But for anybody who is a non-expert Mac user who's been a non-expert Mac user for let's say ten years or more, which at this point is an awful lot of people, right? There was an awful lot of people who became Mac users in the mid two uh, thousands, the aughts as we call them. You know, right around, you yeah. know, when the Intel switch happened. And in that era, it was very common for you to be browsing the web and be told your flash is out of date. Go here and a flash, you know, and, and, and you, you weren't being tricked. You were getting a legitimate update to the flash installer and it would show a dialogue box that you had to click through to get an updated version of Flash installed because yeah. you needed because Flash itself was telling you right it could because it yeah. was you'd go to a site and it would ha- it would automatically start playing something in Flash and right. then Flash would say oh you you can't see this because you're out of date right and it, and then it would download a thing and show you a Flash so that's a thing that Mac users uh, non-expert Mac users have have thought is you know have done and needed to do and so now even though Flash is I think it's well. That's what's so funny about it. Now it's it's in a way. I mean, every time I go to a site and and something like that pops up, I, I just I think it's so cute because <laughs> I haven't run Flash in ten years probably. It's like telling you you need to install disinfectant. You know? <laughs> I mean, it's it belongs in a museum. Um, Your zip drive is out of date. Right. I, I mean, it's almost like it's like we 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 have as a as an industry successfully. Uh, eliminated Adobe Flash, uh, like ninety nine point nine percent of it. I can't remember the last time I've seen anything that wants it. I don't even know. I don't think it runs on the latest versions of Safari. I, I don't even think you could yeah, install we'll, it if you wanted to. Uh, oh yeah, I don't know about that. Actually, uh, that may be true. I mean, yeah, I mean, it hasn't come in 
default for years and years. I don't think it even runs anymore. I can't remember the last yeah. time anything has ever even asked me to install it legitimately. But it's the gift that keeps on giving in terms of people, to, to, you know, to, again, to go back, does my mom know that she doesn't have Flash anymore, that she doesn't need Flash? Of course not. You know, she has no idea what the hell Flash was, except that every once in a while she needed to update it or else she couldn't, you know, watch video on CNN. Um, and so that's one of the ways they do it. So they trick you. It's not actually Flash. It is, you know, some kind of scam adware, but they get you to click through it and give the, you know, the permission to do it. And, and it's insidious. And Apple is on it. That's the other thing that Malwarebytes doesn't, you know, that's sort of disingenuous about the whole story that, hey, you need Malwarebytes third-party antivirus. Apple, you know, for all the complaints we have about Apple software of late, Apple is on top of this. And if anything, in my opinion, my complaints have been that they're too on top of it and making things too difficult for for expert Mac users who really do trust and are careful about what they install outside mm-hmm. the App Store on their Macs, that they've gone too hard and too far in the direction of of protecting against stuff like this. And even just in November, they've changed the rules on what they're saying or is disallowed through the mandatory notarization process and what they're going to, you know, revoke the license to. You know, that it's pretty much anything that is a scam is what they're saying. You know, and there there's a document that Apple published in November that it, to me they're they're on top of it. Yeah. Uh and basically, Michael Tsai's con- conclusion is mine as well, that I still – I really don't think – I think that – I really don't think that anybody, expert or typical Mac user, needs third-party antivirus software and that it causes more problems than it fixes, that what the best course of action for most people is to run with Apple's default settings, which are pretty strict about I, – I, d- d- does the Mac now default to – only installing from the app store like i think you even have to click I think, something i think so yeah, yeah i think that's right um and then the only other option is well without futzing around right is is the mac store and yeah. verified developers right right and the thing that if you download from outside the app store you have to like control click the app and choose open or go select it and go to the gear menu in the finder and select open if you just double click it it'll give you a dialogue that says you can't run it because it can't be verified um and that is a a very good and that's a very good solution in my opinion to keep typical users from Mm -hmm. accidentally opening something they shouldn't but allowing an expert user to open like a, a a homemade app that you just wrote for yourself or a friend wrote in Xcode or like an Apple script applet that isn't signed or something like that, but you know you can trust it and you're just just enough of a Mac nerd to know what control clicking on an app is and you can choose open and then it'll still give you a confirmation dialogue, but that confirmation dialogue will give you the extra button that says open this anyway, I trust it. I, I mean, that's not the exact terms, but it's what it means. But but not letting you do it by simply double clicking the app is a is a terrific defense. Um, anyway, Apple's on top of it, and I don't think I think it's kind of kind of BS, you know. And I pity you know I, I don't pity them, I guess, because they're the ones who chose to get into the Mac antivirus software thing. But you really don't need it. Yeah. 
I mean, I have not. I mean, I personally have not had a, you know, knock on wood, had a virus. Yeah, probably since the probably since the nineties, right? Since yeah. the early nineties, since that time. And I'm now my kid is another matter <laughs> because you know during his Minecraft heyday, of course, he was going to any and every site that he could find to download mods and things like that, and so he managed to screw up a Mac really bad <laughs> badly. <laughs> But um, that's a whole that's a whole other you know set of uh, impulses and. <laughs> but that was, a number, that was a number of years. That was at least like you know three or four years ago. But there is there is a good power tool analogy that you know some people need. You need to be able to make a mess of things with a saw to be able to use a saw, right? I mean, there's, mm-hmm. there's certain tools that need you know you you know uh, you need to be able to shoot yourself in the foot. <laughs> <laughs> That's maybe a bad example, but <laughs> right. Oh, you need to be able to. <laughs> you need to you be won't able... respect a gun until you've been shot by one. <laughs> you need to be able to <laughs> drill a screw into your own hand. <laughs> but you do, right? I mean, you can. You know, you, a hammer is a perfect example. I mean, you, I, you can't build a, a hammer that would function without making a hammer that would allow you to smash your thumb. <laughs> But it would be nice if you don't ever actually need to drive a nail into the wall to have a similar tool that would never allow you to smash your thumb. You know, it, it's mm-hmm. you know the analogy breaks down, I guess, at some point. But <laughs> we need to have we do need to have computers that we can mess up. But most yeah. people ought to have a computer that they can't mess up. Is right. is a broad way of putting it. Yeah. Um, I would say the same thing. I mean, my son has a gaming PC now as well. Um, and I think it's true of modern windows as well that, and I did some research on it and so far so good, but I, you know, the, the old mantra, and I think a lot of Mac users, people who, who've lived their lives in the Apple ecosystem, you know, and, and, and internalized it, that windows is virus ridden and exploit ridden, and you can't use windows without, um, some kind of third-party antivirus. I don't think that's true either. I think Microsoft Defender, which is their built-in, you know, antivirus right. is uh it's you know and jonas has had his pc now f- since christmas of last year so what 14 months and you know it seemingly is in tip-top shape you know yeah. we had to remove norton <laughs> that was that was fun because it and i you know i, I did just to know I, I wish that jonas was more i don't know how hank is but jonas just wants to play the games he really right. is no, that's exactly how hank is <laughs> and, and and so and jonas is nerdy about the games and he and his pals uh, even though they're uh, uh jonas and hank are either very similarly aged or identically aged. Jonas yeah they're pretty close yeah jonas is in 10th grade yeah that's uh, hank is also yeah in 10th grade. so they're yeah um and i thought it was really cool is that jonas and his pals got back into minecraft this year like Minecraft is like such a epic game. Oh, really? I mean, it, it's ridiculous to think that. I mean, we spent, you know, we both got licenses for licenses for it for like twenty six, twenty eight bucks or something like that. And the amount of gameplay, <laughs> I, it's insane. It is absolutely. And, and they insane. never, they've never asked for an upgrade. It's I just know. like you get a license, and then you know, sure, you're okay, you got the game. Yeah, you know, and then they just keep pumping out updates to it. Yeah, for, for like nothing. <laughs> yeah, and Jonas and his pals they they know 
uh, Minecraft the way like I knew the Mac and like knew how to use ResEdit to go in and change icons. Oh yeah, and, you know, yeah, yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, the way that I knew how to deconstruct the classic Mac and thought it endlessly fascinating is you know like and he'll get into games like that but he has absolutely zero interest in getting into the computer itself that way um and uh, you know uh, so i <laughs> it was up to me who has no interest in microsoft windows at all like to figure out is this am i right that we want to we don't want any third party <laughs> antivirus we want to uh, uh, just use this Microsoft Defender and is the right way to do it to just deinstall this crapware that came installed or do I want to wipe the computer and start over with a fresh installation, blah, blah, blah. And yeah, I was like, well, it's a Christmas gift. So I guess it's, you know, my gift to you is I'll do the work for you and figure it out. But anyway, that's true. It, it seems to be true. And I, I, yeah. I've read other I mean, people. So you are, I mean, you are, in effect, using some sort of antivirus. You're just using what came with the – you're not using third-party antivirus. Right. And I think that yeah. what comes with it is actually superior. It's not like, mm-hmm. you know, you're, you're – it's not like you're using text edit instead of a proper word processor like Pages or Microsoft Word. It, it, you're not using a cut-down thing. You're using something that is expertly designed – to have n- no impact on your computing while doing anything legitimately, but to identify you of anything that is actually problematic if you download it and double-click it or something like that. And gets regular updates automatically with no interaction on your own to stay up to date. Uh, yeah. I, I would honestly say that Microsoft and, and Apple have are very much on equal footing and deserve AA grades for staying on top of this stuff and protecting most users in a way that's unobtrusive. You know, it's it's yeah. the, the the you know it's always the complaint. You know, and I say this, and I I, I say this, you know, uh, uh. With sympathy to people who get Sherlocked, you know, in the, 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 you know, as we say in the Mac community from the uh, Watson app that did something and then Apple came out with an app called Sherlock. <laughs> I mean, it is pretty bad that that was the name. And the other That's, one yeah, was, that, the naming choice is particularly egregious. Right. Uh, so it's, it, you know, but that makes it a long story that would, you know, to fully tell. But anyway, there was an app called Watson, if you weren't around in the mid 2000s, and it was sort of a way to intelligently search things on the web without just being textual, like searching through a search engine. Uh, it, it delivered things into, I don't know what you call it, little nuggets, like, you know, the weather would show up as an actual, you know, weather thing that would tell you the weather. And uh, it was a third-party software and from, uh, what was it, Caralia. And then Apple came out with a big Mac OS X update that included an app called Sherlock, which pretty much did the same thing. And um, it was included in the system. And ever since, having a piece of third-party <laughs> software be obviated to at least some degree, if not entirely, but enough to ma- you know make it untenable as a commercial effort the verb is sherlocked you know and i i my my i have sympathy for it but my rule of thumb is if it belongs in the system it will eventually be in the system and uh i i i got i'll never i don't know if i'll find it i'll try to make a note and see if i can find it but there was 
a thread recently about this. I forget what the context was on Twitter, but somebody with longer memory than me was bringing up ads from like the early PC era, like 1983, like a 1983 ad in Byte magazine where there was a third-party utility you could buy that would allow you to print Lotus 1-2-3 spreadsheets in portrait, or I mean landscape. Because at the time, Lotus could only print, you know, in 8.5 by 11, would be 8.5 by 11 as opposed to 11 by 8.5. And And if you had a wide spreadsheet, well, then it didn't work, and you could buy a third-party utility that would let you do it. Well, should, should you know? <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. Is it a ripoff? Is it a, is it a, some kind of uh, unethical act when Lotus added the ability to print and portrait? No, you know, if it belongs in the system or belongs in the app, the third party opportunity, you know, isn't going to last for long. And so, if you're a third party developer, you should either recognize if your your product is a great idea. You should recognize it that if if it seems like such a great idea that it might be part of the system, then you should recognize that and be prepared to move on, or do it in such a way that it so has such depth that the solution from Apple would never have that much depth, but the power users will continue wanting. You know, there'll still be a market for yeah. your solution. I don't know if it's just retrospective. If it, if it seems so obvious that you should be able to print a spreadsheet in landscape. Uh, but, the, but then, because you run, that seems, that seems like, yeah, of course you should be able to do that. But then you start thinking about like the tile thing and whether or not does, does it, does it make sense for a, you know, a little doohickey that you can attach to things so that you can find them to be sort of baked into the operating system too. Right. Right. So you're talking about I mean, is that is that really like, you know, is that really something that necessitates being in the operating system? Yeah, I think that's the context of the Twitter discussion I was thinking of yeah. was this yeah. uh, the antitrust case where or Congress had invited Tile, among others, to to com- to to levy their complaints about Apple and other tech giants. And, and the, yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, it, it seems I don't know. <laughs> It's, it's a weird. It's a weird question, and, and it, it does. It seems like the kind of question about like what what is art. Yeah, you yeah. know. I mean, I don't know. I could the the, the spreadsheet seem, thing seems obvious to me, and this seems less obvious. But you know, they, they, these. I mean, it seems like it, it, to me. It seems like it's perfectly fine for Apple to ship this thing. Um, but it also seems like maybe it should be something that you might have to download from the app store instead of yeah. it coming with, you know, the operating system. Yeah. And it's, you know, we could go on and on and on about it yeah. and skip the rest of the show and talk about how, you know, uh, I know that I went back and forth with Nilay Patel from the verge on it where, uh, he's, uh, you know, and again, it's not a bad, this isn't like, oh, I disagree and we're on opposite sides and we hate each other. Let's, you know, let's, yeah. let's get in a fist fight. It's, you know, it's a rational discussion, which is actually, isn't it enjoyable? <laughs> that we, yeah, can, right, right. we can still have a discussion where we... Trying to work it out. Yeah, and and, yeah. Both, and acknowledge that both have good points. But um, Apple Watch is a good example where Neil's perspective is that it's, 
uh, I don't know if he would call, I don't want to put words in his mouth, but anti-competitive, at least in the lowercase a sense, not the capital A, like this should be legal, illegal, but that is anti-competitive that Apple Watch integrates with iOS on your phone at a level that no third-party watch can access, right? So like, you know, no matter what Samsung does with a smartwatch, the only thing that they could get installed on an iPhone is an app from the App Store. And there is no way that an app from the App Store sandboxed can offer the level of integration that iOS and Apple Watch have, which is way outside the bounds of of what an app can do. But the the reason for that isn't anti-competitive. Like the result is anti-competitive, but it's not like Apple is spiting these companies. It's because if you if apps from the App Store were allowed to install system level background daemons that do the things like hey i'll i'll just install the watch os at four in the morning <laughs> while you're once your watch is on the charger and and you know your phone is on a charger and i know that you know i can tell from your uh you know uh, the patterns of when you're you know that's very likely that you're asleep i'll just do the uh you know software update then it would be great if you could promise that the third parties would only use it for features like that. But if that potential was there, it would be used for all sorts of havoc, which we know from the last 20 years of computing. I mean, it calls back to the malware bytes thing where, you know, people would install software and it would install all sorts of shit in the background. And, yeah. you know, the lack of sandboxing and apps, it was just out of control in terms of how much stuff apps would do that was running in the background. And, you know, you don't want that, you know. So what's yeah. the solution? I mean, it it sort of stinks. I mean, I I don't think there's any way that Apple could offer third parties the level of integration between devices that Apple Watch enjoys because it's integrated without also opening up a can of worms that would, you know, allow Facebook to install stuff that would, you know, observe every website you visit. Yeah. On your watch. Yeah. <laughs> um, but that leads us into uh, Mark Gurman's story this week. Oh, what was I, I? I haven't. I have that open in a tab and haven't read it yet. So the the rumor is that Apple is considering allowing third party apps to be default apps for specifically. I think it just mentions uh, web browsing and mail. Mm-hmm. Um, and and um, music. At least it talks about music on the HomePod. Hmm. Um, but uh, something that yeah, because people people have been talking about forever. Yeah, and that's been a complaint, you know, with uh, I think Spotify in particular. You know that mm-hmm. Apple has and Apple has favored Apple Music by having you know there's an entire product called HomePod that only works with Apple Music. Yeah. Um, and that is yeah, that's mentioned specifically is is the possibility of running Spotify on the HomePod as the default music app, right? And it seems in you know it seems like this is 
I mean, I don't know. We'll see if they do it or not. But uh, the fact that they're considering it, if the, if that is the case, uh, doesn't seem like it's a coincidence that it's come that it's coming after. You know, they've been dragged in front of Congress. <laughs> yeah, probably not. Um, let me. I'll take the devil's advocate side on this, um, which is that I've I've long been sympathetic to Apple's perspective on not allowing you to choose a third-party app as your default for web browsing or mail or contacts or calendar. Um, not as a diehard, that would be a terrible mistake, but as a, all right, let me give you the other side, you know, sort of like the one-button versus two-button mouse thing, which again goes back to Larry Tesler, who wanted one-button mice because the original mice, the original mice at Xerox had three buttons and and five cord keys. I don't even know what that means. Did you hear the story? Did you read the story? Just let me, just let me uh, uh, put a finger on 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 this thing the 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 story the other story i saw uh i think in the john markoff obituary in the times was that larry tesler at while still at xerox was against mice completely he thought they were too complicated and wanted to show that uh that they were wrong. He thought cursor keys were the way to go. And so he brought people for word processing in particular, and he brought people in off the street who had never used a computer word processor and showed them how to do it using a, uh, their, the Xerox system with no mouse installed, just using cursor keys. And they all took to it very quickly, thought, this is great. This is so much better than a typewriter because you can, you know, go back and correct mistakes and you can copy and paste. And they got it. They could do, they could, they, Typical people learn to do it. And he's thought, and now I'm going to teach and I'm going to show them how to do it with a mouse and they're going to hate it. And I can show everybody that this is the worst. And he plugged the mouse in and showed them how to do it with the mouse. And they all said right away, Oh, I don't want to use that. I don't understand it. And then he said, Well, let me show you how it works. And he showed them how it works. And as soon as he showed them how it works, they're like, Oh, this is way better. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, this is great. And he then. This is the part. This is what makes. This is why Te- Larry Tesler is to me a hero, and th- we need more. I mean, we're losing this sort of thinking in this world today. He was like, "Okay, I was wrong," yeah. you know, and uh, which is exactly what you write. That's what you want. You want, you know, the, the true scientific method is come up with a hypothesis, test it, and then accurately gauge the results of the test. Whereas our modern world has gone to come up with your hypothesis and then (laughs) sell it. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. No matter what the evidence says, no matter what it is, spend all of your mental effort coming up with a way to justify it. Get a few rounds of VC funding and sell it. Uh, so we were talking about oh, default apps. Default apps. All right. Yeah. So, so my defense of, about it is, and, and I, I would like to see them do it. Let me just say, overall, I, I would like to see them do it. I use Fantastical as as my main calendar. Although I think on all the other ones, they might do it. Well, I also have Cardhop installed, which is also from Flexibits, uh, which is an alternative to. The, contacts app um 
I guess if I could, I might set Cardhop as my default contacts app. Um, but I definitely would set Fantastical as my default calendar. Um, but I use Safari and Mail. But I get it, you know, that it, it would be nice if when you click an email address and you use something like the Gmail app or Spark or, you know, there's a bunch of great third-party email apps for the iPhone. Um, wouldn't it be great if it opened? And I know there's people who use Chrome. But I think Apple's thinking on this is the historical scarring of allowing third-party software to be indispensable and then holding them up. And the best example of this is the influence, the outsized influence that Microsoft Office and the Adobe suite had in the transition from classic to um, classic Mac OS to Mac OS X. And Microsoft and Adobe essentially got to dictate an awful lot of what became Carbon because basically they were both like, we've, you know, we're not going to this cocoa thing all in, uh, you know, come up with something that lets us, you know, do a lot less work and keep our code base most, you know, mostly in shape. Uh, and that, those aren't the only examples, but like, here's my example with, with iOS, uh, some of Google's apps, it may be a lot of Google's apps on iOS are to me inexplicably slow to update to things like new screen sizes, Right, I've had a couple of Google apps that I've used that, like, when uh, I forget which years, but like when the mm. iPhone has changed shape, I've had black bars at the top and bottom um, for months after the iOS update shipped or the i the new iPhone hardware shipped and was in my hand until Google updated the apps to actually update to the new screen sizes. Um, and I think Apple is loath to allow. Let's just say, you know, the the elephant in the room would be Chrome, right? That there's an awful lot of people who I think would rather use Chrome than Safari as their browser because they're in the Google ecosystem and it syncs their Chrome tabs across because mm -hmm. they're using Chrome on the Mac. I think Apple's loath to do that in some ways because they're loath. Like what happens if, you know, they update iOS to have some feature it, maybe it's hardware and it has a new screen size maybe it's software and there's like a totally new let's <laughs> like a totally new multitasking method for ipad right <laughs> just as an example just as an example but if they mm -hmm. do but it would require apps to be updated to support it and months and months go by and Chrome isn't updated to support it. And 30% of iPad users are using Chrome. Well, then 30% of iPad users are using a browser that isn't updated for this. Yeah. Uh, you know, that, that is, I think, a large part of Apple's thinking on this, that it's not, uh, you know, they don't make money by people using Safari instead of Chrome or Firefox on iOS, right? They're yeah. not selling not access. Most, yeah, I mean, not not e not email and not web browsing, right? They they do in music, right? So music is a much better example, but music isn't a. It's two. There is there's a conflation here between two different issues. There's default apps, which I think only applies to, um, utility apps, contacts, calendar, mail, and. Well, there's the question of what Web. Siri uses. 
Right. That's right? A, but that's different than a default app. And yeah. I guess that is it, it, well, sort of, right? Well, I think of default apps in a URL context, right? What happens when you click an HTTP link? It's supposed to go to your default web browser. A mail mm-hmm. to colon link goes to your mail calendar or mail app. A cal, I forget the name of the URL, but it's like cal dot or cal colon something. Um, and, you know, you can download a, a contact in a yeah. standard format that opens in your default on your Mac, opens in your default contacts app. Um I guess in this context of Siri, it's not URLs, but it is sort of a – if you t- say, hey, dingus, play some Rolling Stones, Yeah, it's the effectively – right now, if you, if dingus is Siri, it is only going to play Apple Music. Right. And I, I get it, you know, and that's Spotify, Spotify's complaint before uh, regulators around, around – well, maybe not around the world, but at least in the U.S. and Europe. Mm-hmm. And it's important in certain contexts, right? I mean, if you're driving, you want to be able to do that. And if you have if you have contexts that are important enough that you can't futz with it at the time, you are more likely to go with whatever the default is. Yeah, but I don't understand how that would work on the HomePod because at least on the Mac, you are on iOS or for the contacts, calendar, web, and email. We all know how that will work. You would just be able to specify that effectively the URL handler for it. And, you know, somewhere in setting, yeah. you know, in the settings app, it would say, you know, default apps and the default, you know, you'd go to email and the, the list of apps would be all of the apps you've installed that, you know, probably just through metadata in the, like an info.plist probably wouldn't even be an API per se, but just, you know, would say, you know, I'm registering with the system as an app that can be a default email app. Um, you know, like you do with contact blockers net or content blockers. Like when you install a Safari web content blocker, there's a section in preferences that you go to, you know, Safari content blockers, and it'll just list all of the content blockers you have installed presumably there would be a list of email clients and you could tap one of them uh, and it would change. And then when you ever tap a mail to link, it would open in that app instead of mail mm-hmm. uh, with the music. I'm not quite sure how it would work because there are no apps for HomePod, right? Like at a technical level, I'm not quite sure how in the world you could talk to your HomePod and say, Hey, dingus, yeah, play the Rolling Stones and have it go through and, a Spotify account because there's no apps on the HomePod. And it's weird, right? Because the HomePod version of Siri is a little bit different, isn't it? Yeah, because a lot of times she will say, uh, I can't do that on this device. I forget yeah. what I just did the other day, and it was weird. Oh, I know what it was. Uh, I wanted to do a division problem, and uh, I said... Can you know what's five hundred dollars divided by twelve or whatever it was? And she said she couldn't do it on this device, which I thought was weird because I know I've done math, and it was because I it's because I said dollars, and even though technically that doesn't involve any kind of currency conversion, oh. uh, you, did you see what yeah. I mean? Yeah. So so in that a weird. in a sense, it's a bug because there was no currency conversion involved, so she should have just 
been able to do the division. But because I said dollars, it triggered a, this is a currency conversion thing, so it can't be done on a HomePod. You have to do it on an, an iOS device. I don't It was something like that. Huh. But there's definitely things you can't do on HomePod that you can do on other devices. I, yeah. I don't understand how Siri integration would work with a HomePod like that. because And, and HomePod isn't like Apple Watch where it's tethered to a, an iPhone or an iPad to do all the work, right? Yeah. It's not like oh you have you have Spotify on your phone so therefore you could talk to your HomePod and it'll just work because it'll get it from your phone because you know what happens if you go to work and <laughs> your spouse wants to it's too bad yeah. <laughs> oh you can't listen to music until John comes home you know that is that would not be considered an upgrade to HomePod no well but there's you know there has to be there. I imagine that these are separate systems, though, right? I mean, Siri is a separate system from Apple Music, and at some at some point in Apple's back end, it is passing, it is parsing out what you're saying to Siri is parsing out what you're saying to it, and then passing certain values to the music server i guess and, and that's and then that's what you get you know and then you get what you get in return yeah i mean i guess it's all I mean, t- so it should be able to pass those values to another you know provider as my friend rich siegel of bb edit fame who was recently on the show and it was a great show and i really thank him for it but he would always he had to saying when i worked at bare bones uh and i would come in and i'd you know and he would he just had to saying about programming that well it's all just typing <laughs> He's not wrong. You know, and he's not, not that he was the sort of, not that he ever has been the sort of person to just by default say yes to feature requests. But if it came down to it and it was like the argument was, well, but that would be hard. He was like, well, it is, it's all just typing, you know. So it is, you know, it's not like, you know, there's some sort of technical limit that HomePod couldn't offer some kind of yeah. integration with, you know, or, or like a plugin API and you, you know, it, mm-hmm. it would obviously, you know, I, I guess if German is correct, that must be what they're working on, though. There must, yeah. they must but, be but, working. But what was interesting was that he uh, just mentioned it on the HomePod. Hmm. Um, did not talk about music on iOS, I don't think. Yeah, and that um, would be easier, in my opinion, because there you'd already, you know, there's already a concept. There's already of, an app, yeah. Right, and the app would just offer Siri, you know, this, the Spotify app could be updated with a new API to offer, you know, here's the, you know, if you're a music, maybe it would even be specific to music or something. I don't know. I mean, I guess audio would be a better way to think of it so that, because I would think you would want podcast apps to be able to integrate just as well so that you can say, you know, hey, Dingus, you know, play the latest episode of the talk show and and the right thing would happen even if you use Castro or Overcast instead of Mm -hmm. Apple's podcast app. So hopefully he's right. I, I think that would be a great idea, honestly, and not even you know, not even as a uh, anti-competition regulatory zealot. You know, it just just it would just be a great feature for users, yeah. right? Yeah, I mean, right. because it's good that you're allowed to use Castro and Overcast and prefer those as your podcast player, and it's good that you're allowed to use Spotify instead of Apple Music. You know, and they should compete yeah. on the merits, not on the integration. Mm-hmm. But I'm not the sort of person who thinks that Apple should somehow hold back on those integrations until it's uh, equal, it puts everything on equal footing with third parties. 
Yeah. And I suspect that, you know, if they, (laughs) I would think it would probably be more, you know, kind of like the keyboard thing where, you know, you'd, you'd get it, but it wouldn't quite work as well. (laughs) Right. Right. Uh, The default did. So anyway, hopefully it will. Do you use a third party keyboard? That third party keyboard? No, uh, I don't. I guess the I don't really hear much about it anymore. And I know Apple yeah. added swiping in iOS 13. Do you use the swiping? No. Yeah, me neither. I, I can't. I'm too old to. <laughs> me too. <laughs> I don't find it faster. My friend. I, know, I tried. I tried swiping. I, I believe I downloaded before you know before it came to uh, you know the default keyboard. I tried it on a you know another keyboard, and I just never liked it. Yeah. It's not the way I don't think that way, and I found yeah. it extremely clumsy to use. Yeah, yeah, and, and 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 but it's great that it's an option, and I can see how some people it would. But I I really do think of the keyboard as a mini version of a keyboard, a physical right. keyboard, and so right. I want to peck away. Um, yeah, yeah. Can I do? You, do you use an iPad while we're talking keypad keyboards? What's your do iPad? Do I use an iPad? Yeah. What what iPad do you use? I have the 11 inch uh, iPad Pro from last, yeah. not, well, 2018. Yeah. Yeah. Right? yeah. So I've got that too. Yeah. I I cannot type on it at all. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. <laughs> well, I, you like you like the split keyboard, right? I like the split keyboard because and even, you don't, can't get it on that. And one. you can't get it on the iPad <laughs> for some reason. <laughs> I, I don't know what the hell happened. I don't know what the hell they're thinking because I can only type on iOS with my thumbs. And when they added the split keyboard to to iPad, I was like, now I can type. I it was like the iPad came out, and I I've always liked the iPad a lot. I mean, a lot. Uh. But I really had trouble typing on it. Although the earlier ones were small enough where I could kind of stretch my thumbs, you know, like the 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 growth from nine point seven to eleven, um, it stretched it so that my thumbs don't quite reach the middle. It's just big enough to not be able to reach the middle comfortably. Um, for a couple of years after the iPad Mini came out, my eyes were still great enough that it was fine i loved the ipad mini for a couple of years i mean i i just i I, the first time i ever met uh tim cook uh was during a hands-on uh after one of apple's keynotes and it was when i think it was the second generation of the ipad mini came out and maybe it went from like non-retina to retina or something like that I don't know, but it was like Tim Cook recognized me and we had a, just a brief and, you know, he did this. Of course, the question, you know what this question was. So what'd you think? <laughs> it's a great question. It's absolutely, it, it is. It's a, it, it's, it's just a, you know, that's all, you know, Steve Jobs used to ask, do the same thing when he went around the hands on. If he, if, if you were deemed worthy of Katie Cotton <laughs> saying, <laughs> Steve, this is so and so from Time Magazine, and then he would go up, and then he would say, "So, what'd you think?" That's that's what he'd say, which is great, and it you know, it, but uh, and I, then he'd tell Walt Marsberger to get off his damn table, get off the damn table. <laughs> no, he didn't tell him. That's the best I know. part. I know. He just sat there and stewed. <laughs> but I love that story. But I loved the iPad Mini. I loved it, and you know the only reason I don't still don't use one is it's just a little too small for my eyes right now. Um, and I like the pro. I wish there was a pro. I like my pencil, so you know. Uh, I actually love the pencil, but um, you can use the well. You can use the first generation pencil, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well. Yeah. You don't like that one. Yeah, I don't like it. But, I know. Yeah, uh, I know. I don't. I don't. Uh, but Karen got we got Karen got the base. Whatever the you know she got the iPad iPad. 
yeah. um, laugh for Christmas and, and a pencil and she, in the, you know, the original pencil and she loves that thing. Oh, it is when you, it's so great. It is. And it's cheap. Oh, it is so cheap. It's, it was 250 bucks at Costco. Oh. And then the, you know, the pencil was another hundred, but still it was. In some ways it's the most unappily priced product ever. It really is. In, in, I mean, going back to like 1978, it is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It is, it's the only time that Apple has made a, a truly fantastic personal computer that is at a, what can only be described as a, a, a truly low price. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It is. It, it's the greatest bargain that Apple has ever offered, uh, maybe ever will. But anyway, the th- one of the things I loved about the Mini was the fact that you, I could thumb type on it so great. It, it mm-hmm. was like better for thumb typing, or it probably still is better for thumb typing than the iPhone because they're, they're, it's small enough that it's like no stretching and the keys are big enough that you like never hit the wrong key. You know, it, it loved it for yeah. that. Yeah. The fact that you can't, I, and then the split keyboard on the bigger ones was like, oh, this is great. I love it. I did just a split keyboard and then I could still thumb type and it was, you know, I could do it. Now I can't split the keyboard. I, 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 I can't type. I'm, li- I literally type, um, like, uh, uh, they say Tolkien did, which is like one, one finger. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I guess he supposedly used two fingers. That's what I, I use. I, well, I usually hold it with my left hand or like in my yeah. ar- on my arm. Uh, and um, just type with the fingers, whatever fingers I can use on the right hand. I like, just so I'll use I, multiple fingers. I, I I type with one index, my right index finger, and it's maddening. And I, yeah, I, I just either switch to a different device, or uh, if I'm in an iPad mood, I I, uh, I well, it's a digression, but I I just bought Jason son of a bitch Jason Snell. <laughs> <laughs> Are you talking to a keyboard? Yeah, another mechanical, yeah. another mechanical keyboard, but this one's Bluetooth, which is all the difference in the world uh, with an iPad. Like yeah. use, using a cabled connection to the thing, it just sort of defeats the purpose. But I have a new mechanical keyboard that's really pretty nice, and so I just use that. But I either use a hardware keyboard or I just don't type at all on the iPad anymore. Yeah, I use I have a, yeah I have a hardware keyboard too. hardware keyboard. Oh, I'm trying to think. I'm trying to think selfishly. If somebody from Apple wrote me a confidential email and said, "You can have one or the other. You can have a radically fixed multitasking for iPad, and it will will sink. We'll sink all the man hours. We'll sink thousands of man hours into this and do it. Or we'll." We'll put we'll keep multitasking as it is, but put the split keyboard on the it's iPad your, yeah, Pro. Yeah, your your Sophie's choice. Yeah, and we'll let you pick, and we'll never. T- <laughs> and I'll be like that guy who, who didn't vote for Jeter, and we'll keep, we'll keep it anonymous. <laughs> I don't know why. Yeah, I mean, I figure there has to be. I, I don't know. I sort of assume there was maybe something with the camera that they thought if you were holding the key the the iPad with both hands like that, they would cover the camera up or something. I don't. I don't know. Uh, my working theory is that it has something to do with the extra keys they added. You know, like uh, like there's a tab uh, tab yeah. key now. Like the the old like when they made the keyboard a little bigger, they added extra keys. Like you used to not be able to type the tab character. You know, like mm-hmm. the phone, and now they did. But I would just say I don't care. What just when I go to split screen, get rid of those keys. I don't care. Yeah, just return it the way it was. Yeah. Yeah, my theory was. Uh, 
that's my theory is that yeah. that they there was some argument inside where they're like well if we if we keep split screen we're going to lose these extra keys you know whereas on the devices where split screen still works you don't lose keys uh, i would yeah. rather just i would just say you lose the keys you lose the keys i don't care just let me tell you. I never use I never used split screen keyboard, um, but uh, but I know it's it's there's some people who <laughs> who really relied on it like you. Yeah, and uh, the guy the guy who does the Johnny Ive parody, he also. Uh, <laughs> we, <laughs> I didn't know that was a parody. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I've said too much. Gonna take a break here and thank our next sponsor, our good friends at Away. Everyone likes to travel differently. Away offers a range of suitcases made of different materials, such as polycarbonate, aluminum, and their newest one, durable nylon, in a variety of colors and sizes. So whoever you are and whatever you need to pack, Away has luggage that will help make your next trip more seamless. Features of all of their suitcases, all of their suitcases are designed to last a lifetime with durable exteriors that can withstand even the roughest of baggage handlers. Every suitcase comes with an interior organization system that includes a built-in compression pad to help you pack more in. I've had this for years. I'm telling you, this is one of the best features. I put my put my shirts behind that, put the compression pad in there, cinch them down, keeps the shirts as wrinkle-free as anything I've ever tried to do while traveling. Absolutely fantastic. Keeps your shirts wrinkle-free and gives you more room because it literally is a compression system. Um, Let you pack more. And they include a hidden and removable laundry bag that separates your dirty clothes from your clean clothes when you come home. Uh, They have four 360-degree spinner wheels that are guaranteed to be the smoothest roll even through the most hectic of airports and stations. I've had my away suitcase at least as long as, as they've been sponsoring the show. Still looks as good as new. The The wheels still feel like brand new. I honestly can't believe it, uh, how good it is. They even include a TSA-approved combination lock to keep all your belongings safe. Uh, it's really, really just a great, great suitcase, and they have all these sizes. I really love them. They really are designed to last a lifetime. Uh, if any part of your suitcase breaks, their standout customer service team will arrange to have it fixed or replaced. They have a 100-day trial on everything they make. Take the product out on the road. Live with it. Travel, travel with it. Uh, and a hundred, up to 100 days, if you decide it's not for you, you can return any non-personalized item for a full refund during that period. No ifs, ands, or asterisks about it. Uh, they offer free shipping and free returns on any order within the contiguous U.S., Europe, Canada, and Australia. Start your risk-free 100-day trial and shop the entire Away lineup of travel essentials, including their best-selling suitcases, at awaytravel.com slash talkshow20. 20, because it's 2020 now. So that's awaytravel.com slash Talk show twenty. You get a hundred day free trial. My thanks to Away. Also, don't forget their carry ons come with a built in battery pack. The talking points they give me don't even mention it. Still, my favorite feature. <laughs> Absolutely love it. Every single seat at the airport suddenly becomes uh, a two USB port charging station because you've got one built into your suitcase. 
and it pops right out, pops right out uh, so that if you're flying an airline that doesn't want you to have one stowed away and you have to stow your uh, your carry-on under the belly of the plane, you, you're no problem. You don't even have to open the suitcase. Really a fantastic product. My thanks to Away. Uh, what else? What else next on the agenda? I'm just, uh, just to interject this briefly, but I'm just looking at this thing. Did you know there was a command that you can run that will return the startup sound? No. What do you, what is it? Uh, sudo nvram <laughs> startup mute equals percent zero zero. Will you paste this in the show notes? Sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And it really plays the startup sound, but what if you have yeah, a, yeah. what if what if you have one of the new Macs that doesn't have a startup sound? That's the thing. That's what well, that's where you want. That's 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 where you play it. Put it. That's oh, you run, where you run it. That's what oh, it's for. I thought you meant that you type. I thought you meant that you type this in the terminal and it'll just play it for you right no, now. No, 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 no. It'll it'll uh, resets the. So that's just the. Oh, which makes sense, I guess. I mean that you know. Yeah. What is it? Control G is the bell, right? Or, well, I don't remember. But there used to be a way, you know, some kind of control sequence you type just to play a beep. I thought you were saying, oh, you could do it. oh isn't no. that great? I should have, I should have actually listened. Once you started getting into the, <laughs> once you started getting into, you, do you know that? Have I ever mentioned this? Do you know that I, I really cannot spell audibly, like. You know how, like, when you have a little kid? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you'll be like, hey, should he get D-E-S-S-E-R-T? Uh, because, you know, maybe you know, your kid was <laughs> had been naughty or something like that. I I, I, I cannot you, – you, like, when Amy would do that, I would have trouble following – I have trouble following along. <laughs> I'm a very visual so person. So you'd, you'd say it out loud, and then he'd, yeah. then he'd say, yeah, of course I should. I well, I was better. I'm I was I'm much better with Pig Latin, although I'm not good with Pig Latin either. Uh, <laughs> I, I end up I, I I'll get like yeah. two words in and then just start saying real words, and she'll be like, Hank "What are you always, doing?" Hank has always been better at Pig Latin than me. Hank is like fluent <laughs> in Pig Latin. And oh, I'm, I'm like, what? Wait, what? What? No, no. You start telling me something about a command line thing, and I'm like, "Law." I might, add, you know, <laughs> you might as well be telling it to my mom, you know. <laughs> But if you showed it to me, I'd get it instantly. And now that you now that you mention NVRAM, yeah. of course you're you're talking about a thing. I'm going to turn yeah. that on today. Oh yeah, I'm totally going to do that. Yeah, I think it's a crying goddamn shame that they took the startup. Sound I think out so of too. Way. Yeah, I, and then they and then the, and then the stupid thing is they put them all at the beginning of the Apple TV shows. Yeah, <laughs> like it's not. I quite understand the same. that. Like you you have this iconic sound, and you take it off the Mac. And then you right. still use it on your TV shows? It's not quite the same sound, or else it just it's sounds different close. to me. But yeah, it's no, it's, it's not exactly. It's yeah. not exactly the same sound, but it's right. But in know. the same way that, like, you know, I get it that uh, uh, it's clearly inspired by, you know, and maybe yeah. they. I think that the thinking behind it was, well, let's make it a little bit more appropriate for the begin. You know. There's some yeah. kind of psychological semantic difference, you know, in the same way that maybe the the logo, Apple logo is a different size too, you know. Mm-hmm. Let's make it perfect for the shows. Anyway, I'll put that in the show notes. I promise. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> I will try to remember to put it in the show notes. Let me see if did you actually paste it into the show notes somewhere? I did. I don't see it. Uh, can I edit these? I think so. Yeah. Oh, there, it's wait, in there. Something just showed up. NVRAM. I'm looking for NVRAM. Oh, there it's it is. Right ab- 
Yeah. There it is. Oh, I can't wait. This is this 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 is the third tip and trick of this episode of the talk show. This is <laughs> my first. This is absolutely no. You can I run it? Can I run one? it right now? Do you think it'll do? Will do you think it'll take my computer down? My Mac down? <laughs> I, I am, well, I, I wouldn't do it. <laughs> okay, I wonder. <laughs> well, <laughs> I won't do it. I won't do it. Just just, just to be on the safe side. Uh, we got enough problems. Did you? Did, what's? I don't want to go off on too big of a tangent on it, but I mean, what? Are you, are you updated to Catalina? I am. Yeah, yeah. What's and I was going to because I was going to say something like I don't have the problems. You know, people have been complaining about like being asked by the operating system all the time if you really want to do that and stuff like that. I don't really have that problem. I don't do. I don't consider myself much of a. I mean, I know how to do things, but I don't feel like I'm like a real big power user. I don't exercise that <laughs> that muscle a lot, really. Um, only if I'm like writing about something that I want to try out and figure out how it works. So I get the thing most often. The thing that I get is the you know, do you want to let this website access downloads? Hmm. Um, which I don't find really that annoying. I don't. I actually don't either. And I actually, I, I'm, a, I, I actually enjoy that one. I'm, I'm, and I get the point of it too. Right. That's the I, other thing, you know. Right. I mean, I, I've, I, 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 a number of times I have accidentally, like, you know, where you do that thing where you like control click and you do, and it downloads like an HTML. It downloads the HTML instead of like the file that you. I mean, I've, yeah. I've done that, you know, fat fingered it by mistake, and so in those instances, it, well, I guess if you've already given a permission, it's going to download it anyway, but. At least the first time it's not going to. There's so many, you know, there, there's so many um, security problems or uh, that aren't, you know, the, the technical ones are way beyond my ken. I even have a degree in computer science and I don't understand the, 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 the true genius level you have to be at to, okay, if you do, if you, I understand like a buffer overflow. I understand the idea that if there's some program that accepts input and is allocated a fixed amount of memory for the input and takes anything from the input and doesn't check the size and just throws it into memory, that it overwrites the bounds. You know, it's it's like it, it, the analogy of like the cup is a fixed size and you're going to accept any amount of beverage – from the thing that you're, you know, the 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 beverage dispenser, it's going to overflow the cup, right? That's exactly what happens with memory. I understand why that makes apps crash, but I don't understand. I, I it it's just beyond me the black magic of being able to use that to craft the overflowed memory in such a way <laughs> that it gets to actually start doing things. Mm-hmm. Like I understand that layperson's yeah. explanation of it, but how you would be so talented at programming and finding these things that you would take advantage of it is just beyond me. But that's how a lot of software technical exploits are. Yeah. The ones that I think are it's like I fully understand it and it's like oh, you clever rat bastard are the ones that are just – they're not really technical at all. They're just exploiting things that the people who made the software never even considered because you think, why would anybody ever do that? And mm-hmm. I, I've told this story on the show before, but about two or three years ago, Jonas encountered uh, a, a bug that has since been fixed in Safari 
or but I think it was there since the beginning of time. But somehow he wound up on a on a website that had like uh, it, it had some kind of like you have to call us to get you, you, your Mac has been infected with malware, oh, yeah. and mm-hmm. this is why it's slow. Call us and we'll fix it. And you know he thankfully called me for help but his computer really was dreadfully slow like almost unusably slow but that dialogue was there with the 1-800 number and what what the website was doing was sending a non-stop endless stream of uh four byte files to download and the four byte files they all had like the same text like just like a b c d or something like that like they they were just you know you could open they were just like four byte text files they were all identical but they all had a new name or something or i guess the browser will just start adding numbers you know if they have the same name and it was just sending them endlessly an endless stream of them and safari was just uh, trying to to keep up but couldn't you know, that the website could send these files faster than Safari could take them and write them. And so it actually did render his Mac too slow to use. Mm-hmm. And it's, so it's very easy to see how a very rational person would think, holy shit, they're right. My computer must be infected. <laughs> I'll call this number, right? But I can totally see how it, it might never have occurred to the engineers of Safari to not try to accept downloads as fast as they can. If you're down, accepting 10, 10 downloads, why not, you know, get them as fast as you can? Yeah. You know, there's so many exploits mm-hmm. that are like that. that it, it's not really technical, but it's, you know, and you, you know, a lay person can imagine the JavaScript programming behind, you know, just repeat forever. <laughs> <laughs> Send a download of a text yeah. file and, you know, like the text files themselves weren't any kind of virus or anything. They were just four byte text files and it was just sending them as fast as they could. You know, it's like a denial of service, right? I mean, it's yeah. like you just, yeah. yeah, you're, yeah. Yeah. And the trick is if you, you know, you, you could just force quit Safari and then open it back up with it, either if you don't already have the setting to reopen existing web pages, there's like a keyboard shortcut so that it doesn't reopen the pages that were already open. So that that page doesn't open and start the mm-hmm. thing all over again. But anyway, I, I, you know, I filed a radar on it and wrote to a friend who I know is on the Safari team and, and it got fixed. But I think now this, you know, a better, you know, even broader solution is the, do you want to accept downloads from this file in the first, this website in the first place? Right. Like, yeah. cause you don't even want one unwanted download that you didn't ask for. Um, you know, by being tricked into clicking something that you didn't, you just thought it was going to open a new page or something like mm-hmm. that or whatever, and it's going to download stuff. I think it's a great, you know, that's a warning I'm happy about. But like yeah. when a random app that I haven't used in two hours suddenly pr- pops up a dialogue in front of everything I'm working on that says, do you want to allow whatever this app is to access the desktop? I, I find that very annoying. And I kind of get the thinking, I do get the thinking behind it. And I've complained about this desktop warning. And somebody was like, well, I keep, you know, right now I've got my, I'm doing my wife's and my taxes for 2019 and the files are on the desktop. So I don't want any random app to be able to read the desktop. You know, I kind of get it. I do get that uh, people put everything they're working, you know, the desktop is what 
probably a majority of Mac users use for like, here's the thing I'm working on right now. I'm not going to file it away for until it, I'm done. And in the meantime, I'm going to keep it on the desktop because the desktop is so easy to get to. Um, so I get it, but it's like so many of these apps that I'm getting prompted for are apps that I that I trust completely and implicitly. Mm-hmm. I want to be able to just say, you know, I don't have any apps on my system that I don't trust. Or at least, you know, like the Mac way of doing it, and Apple doesn't really do things this way, would be – I would like it if it was as simple as like if there was a – I'm going to come up with the dumb name. There's got to be a better name. But if there was a, a way to have a – inside your applications folder, if there was another folder that was called Trusted – and it was, you know, a magic yeah. folder, and any app you put in applications trusted was just guaranteed, you know, and and you know, and do the thing where apps can't install themselves there. The only way to get an app there is to actually drag it using the Finder. And when you drag an app there, have a dialogue come up and say, you know, by moving an application here, you are, you know, you know, trusting it with uh, access to the full contents of your home directory. I guess that, yeah, I mean, that would obviously solve your problem, but I mean, you also end up with apps that would say, you know, in order to run this app, you must install it and trust it. Well, but I still wish, you know, but I wish it were possible. I don't yeah. know. Anyway, uh, what was the, oh, I but I get stuff, that I, I keep getting things because I do enough Apple script stuff. I just keep getting so many goddamn warnings about apps to get, uh, uh, permission to do like inter application communication and stuff. And some hmm. of them are Apple's own apps. Like, I guess fair's fair, you know, like in the sense that we often complain that, hey, Apple lets their stuff get away, you yeah. know, you know, like Xcode is distributed through the App Store and Xcode obviously. <laughs> has perm- permission to do things that are outside the sandbox, you know. So Apple has apps in the App Store that don't aren't limited by the same rules as third-party apps in the App Store and in a sense that's not fair. Um I totally get that. Um and, and so if Apple's apps are asking for this permission, uh I guess that's fair, but it just seems crazy to me. Uh uh, well, it's I can't. Yeah. You'd think, yeah, you'd think that the, it would be. We've pre-approved, <laughs> right? Certain apps for, and you and maybe even the stuff in the Mac App Store, right? Like if they did that at that level, then you could be, you know, sort of you'd, you'd get through a lot of things, and you'd be assured that it was done in a way that was you know somebody took a look at it. Well, and then the other thing is that there's just so many things that uh, it's like, I don't even remember. They're scattered. You know, the permissions are scattered all over the place in system preferences where there's like full disk access and and there's this other type of access. And I just want to say like, so there's an accessibility system prefs pane, right? That's a top level of system preferences. But then there's also insecurity and privacy an accessibility item in the left-hand column of privacy that has allow these apps to control your computer. And it's like, 
isn't that confusing that there's access there's an accessibility pref pane and then there's an accessibility section in the privacy section of security and privacy and it uses the same icon But that's where I've got things like in there, there's an app called uh, AE Server. And I was like, AE Server? I never even heard of that. What the hell is that? And I reveal it. You can control click and it says like show in Finder and you show it in Finder. And it's at System Library Frameworks, Core Services dot Framework, Versions A Frameworks, (laughs) AE dot Framework, Versions A Support. Aren't you glad you asked? But that's, you know, that's like the holiest of holies in the operating system. Anything in system library is like, uh, ought to be implicitly trusted? And then there's another one here. It, it The icon looks like the terminal icon. It's just called launcher with a lowercase l. And I it was asking me for permission. I was like, well, that seems like it might be sketchy, you know, and let me do my expert thing here that I want to be able to do, which is I'm going to, you know, be the Mac nerd who knows how to check if something should be trusted or not lowercase l launcher which wants permission to control my computer is at uh it's inside the system preferences app it's system preferences contents resources there's an app a little process called launcher well done. <laughs> like there's it's almost like you're you, it's like inception at this point where system <laughs> something inside system preferences is asking for a preference that i can only set inside system preferences <laughs> You know what I mean? And, and and Apple has done this thing, you know, in Catalina, which is great, where there's at a technical level, your startup disk is now actually two disks, a read-only system partition, and then the read-write system partition with, where your user directory and stuff like that is. And therefore, while you're booted in regular non-emergency safe mode, whatever you call it, you can't write to that read-only system partition, which is fantastic. So that like the, the file system itself is protected against some bugs that Apple could make. You know, there's no way there's a whole class of bugs that could maybe be exploited that would allow bad guy software to overwrite the system software itself. Mm -hmm. It's great that it's not even possible that it's blocked at the file system level, but a process that's in that, like this launcher, ought to be implicitly trustworthy, <laughs> right? Like, and how the hell is a normal person supposed to look at a dialogue that says, Al- right. allow this app? And the icon looks like the terminal app because it's just like a background daemon. And the name is just lowercase l launcher, right? <laughs> how is a normal person supposed to do this and, and know that the, what they really want to do is say, yes, I want to give you permission to control my computer? So is, it, is that – it asked you to do that? Yeah. Okay. I got a dial. I've got it. Oh, I don't have launcher in there, but I have the other one. I have the – AE server? AE yeah. server one. Yeah. 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 Um, and it never – it's never asked me. I don't know. I just feel – I get it. Like I'm not saying that we should go back to the old days where anything you install on your Mac can do anything it wants willy-nilly. I get it. Yeah. You know, those yeah. days are gone. You know, it was – you know, but I, I just don't think the stuff should be hidden. Yeah. Uh, I had a thing. I guess I should bring it up. I'm going to write about it. I, I didn't quite get it done before we recorded, but the location of media files on macOS 10.5 Catalina. So I ran into this problem. So, you know, like, like where does uh, iTunes – well, iTunes doesn't exist anymore. But why, where did iTunes put your music files? Well, it was in your home folder in a folder called music. <laughs> well, that was <laughs> – 
that's pretty obvious, right? Like, so if you ever wanted to like actually get to your music, you you know there you you could get to it. Um, I had a thing. I, uh, I'm trying to think how I can make this short enough, <laughs> but uh, I I don't use Apple's podcast app. I I listen to all podcasts that I normally listen to in Overcast, and uh, I do I. All on my iPhone. I I don't ever listen to podcasts on any device other than my iPhone. Um, that's just the way that that I listen to podcasts. Um, but I subscribe to my own podcast in Apple Podcasts because I know lots of people use it, and I want to just every once in a while I want to make sure you know it looks right. As does does it, you know does this work the way I think it does in this very popular, very important, and you know it's a very good app. I can see why lots and lots of people like the Apple Podcast app. Um, and I was looking at it this week. I hadn't looked at it on my Catalina Mac, you know, really, at a, really since that that breakup between iTunes, you know, iTunes being busted into these separate apps. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I thought, well, I should do that. You know, I, I still periodically take a look at how it looks on the iPhone, and I, I looked at it, and I was scrolling down, and I, it, there were four episodes that didn't appear. It was like episodes like two forty five to two forty eight, which is like roughly a year ago and they just weren't listed in the all episodes and so i was like hmm and my first thought was i'll bet there's something wrong with my rss feed for the podcast i and then before i even finished the thought in my head i was like no i'll bet it's the podcast catalyst app (laughs) i was like i'm not gonna go and (laughs) debug my my rss feed for the talk show yet let me see (laughs) and i thought i know what i'll do i'll unsubscribe from the show in podcasts and delete all of the ones that it's already had all through the podcast app. And then I'll quit the podcast app and I'll relaunch it and I'll resubscribe to the talk show. And I did that and I went to all episodes and the same four episodes were missing. And I thought, hmm. Then I went to my phone and looked in Apple's podcast app and I scrolled through all episodes and those episodes are right there. They're listed fine and i went to you know overcast and there they are they're fine and i thought it's not my feed there's something cached locally on on my this catalyst podcast app how do i delete all the files and it's there's they're not in slash home you know home slash music anymore Mm -hmm. where the heck are they and i went and i figured out that there's a whole bunch of stuff because it's a catalyst app uh, by default, instead of storing stuff in your library folder, it stores it in library slash containers slash stuff. And you go into library slash containers, and there's all sorts of stuff. But if there were four com dot apple dot podcasts directories in there, and I just deleted all four of them, put them in the trash, deleted the trash while the app was quit, relaunched the app, and son of a bitch, <laughs> still was missing the same four episodes. <laughs> So I started, and this was really hard to Google for. And then I found an article from Kirk uh, Mickelhern. I, I, again, I hope I'm not. He's a longtime Mac writer. Yeah. Where Kirkville. I think, is his I think that's cl- at least close to right. <laughs> and and has long been, and is, you know, literally has written the book. Uh, you know, his most recent book that he's written is uh, "Take Control of Mac OS Media Apps." Uh, literally, you know, long time decade or longer expert on Apple's, you know, iTunes and, and the various media apps. He had an article right after uh, WWDC, um, uh, where does Catalina store your media files? <laughs> well, 
Here's where Catalina's podcast app stores your media files. Home slash your home folder, meaning slash library slash group containers. So far, so good, I guess. Slash. <laughs> well, not really, because library is hidden to most people. Yeah, the library is hidden. Um, although I'm okay with that decision to make it invisible, you know, and that you have to Google. Because it, it's not too hard to get into it, even though it's invisible, because there's like a go-to command in the finder, and you can type it, and it'll auto-complete even. So I'm okay. That's a decision a change Apple made that I'm okay with, because most people shouldn't be if they don't know what they're doing, you shouldn't be dicking around in your library folder. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. Group library slash group containers slash two, four, three L U eight, seven, five E five dot dot groups, dot com, dot Apple dot podcasts. Now I'm trying, I don't think I have that. Uh, I'll bet you do, and I bet it's just sorting in a weird oh, it's, way. No, it's a different number. Oh, is it? Mine yeah, is... it ends with it ends with groups.com.apple.podcasts. Well, I... it's got a different number in the front. Well, mine is exactly the same as Kirk's for some reason. And my thought was, it, wait, wait, did you? What did, maybe, uh, maybe, maybe, no, maybe it's the same. Maybe I'm just mis- two. All right, two four three L U eight seven. This is no, five it's the same. It's the same. Sorry. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So it is the same. <laughs> but I saw Kirk's article and I thought, oh, maybe this is where I should go. So not library slash containers, but library slash group containers. And I deleted that folder. And then restarted podcasts. And then I had resubscribed to my show and it worked. It was something was cached in there. It had a bad memory of my feed with four episodes missing. You know, and this is, this is a decades long trip trick of troubleshooting stuff. Like if your app is acting up, you, you want to find out where is it, where might it be storing bad information or a cache? Go there, move that file to the trash and restart the app and see if that fixes it. Right. This is there. This is like troubleshooting 101, right? Yeah. I, I can't believe that there's a single person listening to the show who hasn't used that as a basic user-level debugging technique. And it worked. It's great. But when I first saw the article, I, I thought, Kirk, that's got to be – that has to be some kind of randomized number per user, right? <laughs> and then, right, lo and behold, it's the same for everybody. <laughs> Why? <laughs> like, that's so ugly and gross. And yeah. if it's the same, if it's different for everybody, uh, I, I I still don't, there there would be no security th- thing, though, because it still matches group.com.apple.podcast, right? It's right. not like the whole right. folder is randomized. But if it's not randomized, why is it there? Why? It's so ugly. And part of my Mac nerd superiority complex is that everything on the Mac is supposed to be elegant, right? That is the the grossest, most inelegant thing I've ever seen or imagined. I think, I mean, I think the lots of things in the library folder are very inelegant. Um, But they used to be, it started like from the next era, everything was very elegant. And it's like slowly over time, Apple, like internal engineering wise has Given like the, up the first level is fine, but then when you get down further than that, it's, it turns into a bit of a mess. Right, but I, it offends me in the sense of that you know the back of the cabinet is supposed to look nice way, <laughs> right? It, yep. it offends me that for whatever reason this folder is there. But 
Anyway, I had to delete that, and it worked. And <laughs> there, I can't believe you didn't find that. <laughs> it's not too hidden until you get to that stupid number. Right. Uh, but anyway, Marco had a tweet. Marco Arment had a tweet this week where he was in a Finder and uh, had a folder full of f- big, big video files or something, you know. But they actually were actually quite large. I think he was like handbreaking some f- video files or something, and had done a get info on the parent folder. And the get info window in the Finder was showing that the folder <laughs> was zero zero bytes. And his screenshot that he tweeted was like the actual finder window with the file sizes, you know, and it's a whole bunch of like, you know, 100 megabyte video files, the selected folder, parent folder, and then the get info panel showing zero bytes. And he was like, trust me, Catalina, this folder is more than zero bytes. Uh, and he, I, I, I pinged him privately about it, and he said, like, uh, at some point, he was not quite sure when because he, you know, like, took the time to take the screenshot and tweeted it, and then eventually the Get Info window did show the correct number. Mm-hmm. Um, but that, to me, is a very emblematic bug of what I think is wrong with today's Apple software and, and their mentality, Yeah, where it did catch up eventually, you know, but it well, should. It's, it's the same thing. It's sort of well. I don't know if it's. it's I'm not. I'm saying it, it's exactly the same thing. But it's also uh, from a user perspective, it's the same thing when you empty the trash and the your available disk space doesn't change. Yes, yes, yes. It is exactly the same class of bug, where it's like, all right, tenant one of anything related to the file system should be the actual bytes mm-hmm. written to disk are maintained with the utmost integrity. So rule one, don't corrupt data. Actually corrupt it, right? Don't, you know, whereas corruption could be... Don't overwrite things. Don't overwrite it. Don't flip a bit. Don't have a... Even, you know, just files that could be, you know, ruined with with one zero turning into a one. Uh, Don't accidentally delete files... You know, don't, you know, the actual, you know, any way that the actual bytes on disk could go wrong, don't do that. But rule two, and it should actually be like rule 1A, not even rule two. 1A should be whatever you show to the user must be as accurate as possible. Mm -hmm. And and the, the idea there is... How is the user supposed to know if what is on their disk? And I'm using disk to mean the thing, you know, it yeah. could be an SSD. SSD. Yeah. What is it written to to permanent storage? How are they supposed to know that it's accurate? And the only way they can know is what is presented to them in a the user interface. And so, what's presented to them in a the user interface should always be as accurate as possible. And mm-hmm. so I, and in the old days of the Mac, I can't remember that ever being wrong. I can't yeah. remember there ever being a bug where get info would show you the wrong information. And it would, and you'll remember this, in the old days, both a, a combination of the speed of spinning hard disks and the nature of the HFS and HFS plus file formats, you know, if you're an ATP listener, insert your own ding there, uh, ding dong, ding whatever they play. 
<laughs> it, it, it was expensive, right? Like if you had a, especially, you know, the bigger the folder and the more items that were in it, it, it wasn't a very fast thing. Nature of the disk, nature of HFS plus that it wasn't, it automatic, you know, automatically computed what a folder size was. Um, but it would never show you the wrong number. It would show you a, yeah. pl- a placeholder. It might, be, you know, maybe like in a in a file listing, it would just be a dash. It wouldn't say zero. It would say dash. And if you did get info, it would spin it while it was computing, which yeah. is exactly accurate, right? What right. does the spinner mean? The spinner means uh, the the computer I'm is figuring it out. I'm figuring <laughs> it out, which is exactly yeah. right. It would be better if it gave you the answer instantaneously, but it's still a hundred percent truthful and accurate to show an animated spinner, right? It would be bad if that spinner just suddenly stopped, <laughs> right? <laughs> because that would say to the me, the user, oh God, something's wrong with my disc, <laughs> right? Right? I mean, um, yeah. all of us who grew up in that era, we've probably shortened our lives to some extent. Like, I've taken <laughs> some amount of longevity out of my heart with actual uh, actual disc problems <laughs> and imagined suspected disc problems, yeah. right? Yeah. So if I, you know, in the old days, if I opened, if I selected a folder and did get info and it started spinning and then the spinner just locked up, my heart would skip a beat. And then I, you know, I don't recall that actually happening, but if that's what would have happened, you know, or like I always say, like, if, remember if you, like when you'd hear like a clicking noise, <laughs> if your hard disk started clicking. <laughs> that was not good. It, it was a race against time. It yeah. was, you know, oh my God, what's the most important file on this disk? <laughs> it was like getting, you know, it was like getting, uh, you know, your, your house is on fire. Well, first get the people out, get the dog out. Yeah, and now you start thinking, what else? Can, what else can I get out of the house? <laughs> what do I take? Right, that's that's what it was like if your hard disk started clicking. I, showing zero bytes for a selection is yeah. even if you eventually catch up thirty seconds later and show the right thing is so wrong. It's so fundamentally wrong because it it casts doubt on the integrity of your file system. And it, yeah. that yeah. is, I, yeah. I mean, that's. I would rather it. I mean, even with the thing where you empty the trash and it's not. I would rather it would say it would say updating or something. Mm-hmm. You know, like it's it doesn't currently know. Right. Although I think maybe they don't do it because it takes too long and it looks weird if it's updating for that. That also looks a little strange if it's updating for an lo- awfully long time. But it's but it it, it that's wor- it's it's worse. much more accurate. It's worse. To, it, it's it's downright wrong to show the wrong number. Yes. Right. And it makes no sense. Like what you're I know what you're talking about. Like you think like you have like a disc like uh, that's like almost out of space and but there's like a giant thing you can throw out. And you're like, "Oh, that'll free up enough space. You put it in the yeah. trash, you and empty the trash." And nothing happens. <laughs> and nothing happens. <laughs> and it's like, "What?" And and you can get different results different ways like if you go to the new thing in the, you know, uh about this Mac that shows uh storage you know, and it shows it like with a graph, and you know, you, you go to about this mm-hmm. Mac oh, storage, yeah, yeah. and then you hit yep. manage, and it's like uh, it can show you different different numbers <laughs> that, than you get in the Finder. Like that's insane. It's absolutely insane, and I just think that it's sort of indicative of a that 
in ter- inside Apple, they've sort of lost sense of what should be a, a, an utmost priority. And I think like accurately reflecting the current state of the file system in the user interface should be just a half step behind the importance of the actual integrity of your file system. Mm-hmm. Because from the user's perspective, how else are they to know? Yes, it would absolutely be worse if the actual file system were corrupted. And it, you know, Apple, by all accounts, the whole transition to APFS has been a, a glorious success, right? Uh, it's, you know, I, I guess there's some hiccups at the outs, you know, there's some aspects of it that maybe haven't been completely perfect. But overall, the, millions and tens of millions, maybe hundreds of millions of devices, maybe, yeah, probably hundreds of millions of devices of Mac and iOS around the globe have been updated from the HFS plus file system to the APFS file system without anybody knowing and it all just worked yeah. and the you know APFS is better in a whole slew of ways and it's really you know and, and seems seemingly is uh, you know uh, terrific in terms of data integrity it's a terrific success which is everything you'd want from an operating system vendor shipping a new file system um but their commitment to making sure that Everywhere in the user interface that the file system can be reflected is always up to date or shows that it's in progress of getting up to date is, is to me, inexcusable. Yeah. And I don't know what the technical – I mean, obviously, I don't know what the technical reason behind why it takes longer. I don't know either. Now would be – I mean, you'd think that – well, I don't know. All right. All right. <laughs> you think you're deleting 10 gigabytes. I mean, I know I can see how big a file is. Right. You know, and if I delete that file, I can do the math, you know, practically in my head. Well, uh, if it's going to take a while, tell me it's going to take a while. You know what I mean? Yeah. Don't, don't, yeah. you know. Right. All right. On that upbeat note, let's uh, take a third <laughs> break here and thank our third and final sponsor, Squarespace. Oh, I love Squarespace. You guys know Squarespace. I'll tell you who doesn't know Squarespace. Siri doesn't know Squarespace. The other day, I was texting somebody about uh, Squarespace, and when I said Squarespace, I was actually using the Siri dictation, and it just spelled it lowercase s space space. Uh, It's like, come on, Siri, how do you not know Squarespace? Everybody knows Squarespace. I mean, Siri obviously doesn't listen to the talk show, because if Siri did, Siri would know Squarespace. Squarespace is the all-in-one hosting solution for websites. They've got everything. You want need a website, you go to Squarespace and you can do everything from registering domains, picking a template to start with in a design, tweaking that template through an award-winning WYSIWYG interface right in your web browser, uh, analytics so that you can see where people are coming to your website, and all of the components you might need Like, you want to have a blog on your website? They've got it built in. You want to host a podcast on your website? They've got it built in. You want to sell things on your website? They have a store built right in. Any kind of website that you want to build, you can build it with Squarespace, and it's almost certainly going to be 10 times less work than building it by hand. You can really go a long way, and you don't even have to use their templates. You can customize the design with your own brand, down to the pixel. It's just a terif- terrific service. Next time you or anybody you know who comes to you for technical help needs a new website, think about Squarespace. I would go there. 
here's what you need to remember if you want to throw them the love from the talk show and their continuing support of this show and its sponsorships um send them to squarespace.com slash talk show that's talk show squarespace.com slash talk show and use that offer code talk show when you pay which you don't even have to do for 30 days you get 30 days free but when you do start paying, remember that code talk show. You get 10% off your first order. You could prepay for a year. That's saving uh, over a month right there, right off your first bill. So go to squarespace.com slash talk show next time you need a website. Remember, Squarespace. Uh, enough ranting about Catalina. What else we got? Let's go, let's go speed mode, right? Uh, Apple results <laughs> warning due to co- coronavirus. So Apple last week yeah. had to uh, correct their their uh, their just from January twenty eighth estimate for the next quarter for two reasons. Uh, supply chain is messed up in China because of this coronavirus and the uh, the lockdown within China. So they basically have closed plants in order to not further spread the virus, right? Mm-hmm. Right. And yeah. this is at some, you know, somehow three weeks in the three weeks since they issued their estimates there, they've gotten <laughs> a much more pessimistic viewpoint on both suppliers. It seems like it, some of its suppliers, um, it, as opposed to Apple's own factories at Foxconn, but you know it's probably a little bit of column A, a little bit of column B, and then the other factor is uh, retail demand within China because people aren't going out and stores are closed, and including Apple stores, yeah. and so uh, uh, all of it not not good. But you know, I guess it sounds to me like following the news. I know I'm not following it as closely as some people but it seems like it's sort of under control and you know being conservative yeah. about this and taking it seriously seems like the right path but it's right. not good for a company with a big foothold in China like Apple. Well and it sort of it sort of went through a phase right where it was like oh this 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 seems like a problem but maybe it's not too big a problem and then there was like a little bit of a floodgate opening where it seemed like oh it looks like the the Chinese government maybe wasn't telling us all about yeah. <laughs> about every case that happened, and so that prompted some further reaction. Yeah, and and hopefully now, you know, they have gotten ahead for- of it forward. Yeah, I mean, yeah. they're they're you know, they're now like, okay, this is the real deal, and not what we were saying before. Yeah, but it does seem like you know Apple's warning that iPhones might be short, you know, in short supply. Uh, who knows what else will be in short supply? I mean, AirPod Pros have been in short supply f- for months. Yeah, I mean they're primarily primarily warning about iPhones, but I need a new phone, John. That's that's <laughs> all I know. <laughs> I want people to take care of themselves. I you know I don't want anybody going into a factory that's sick. <laughs> I just I'm just also saying that I need a new phone. Uh, Apple stiffing store employees so apple took a case yeah. to the california supreme court that the bait it you know seems like a pretty simple story where they're uh, either at all or most or some apple retail stores in california uh they've had a years-long policy of for security reasons requiring employees who come in with either bags or apple devices to have them inspected uh, every time they leave, I guess leave. I don't think it was. As yeah, they I think come it was in. just. Yeah, it was just on the way out. Right on their way out, but that includes like a lunch break. So like you leave for yeah. lunch, you still have to do it. And 
but that you would clock out before you got in line. So in other words, you'd go to leave for lunch, you'd clock out, you're off the clock, and then you would have to wait in a line that could take upwards of 20 minutes at some points. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully that that 20 minutes is the exception rather than the norm. But did it was <laughs> Wait, did they actually have a line or did they just make you stand in an area? <laughs> well, I guess it was standing in there. Well, but if you're, but if you're not in a queue. Stand over here. How Someone would you know? will be with you shortly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would because we don't want any lines. Yeah, that would be. A, I guess you're right. It would be unfair if it was a line because <laughs> they should get a little dose of their own medicine. Yeah, <laughs> that would be funny too. And if it was like, if it was hard to tell who the inspectors were. Oh yeah, right, right. Because they're wearing the same. We're all wearing the same. Oh yeah, shirts. but I, I don't, I don't, I don't have the checkout machine. So you, you need that guy over there. <laughs> mm-hmm. You're gonna have to wait over here. Someone will be with you. <laughs> that is the most Mac Apple nerd insidery joke I can imagine. <laughs> it is perfect for this show. <laughs> I can almost but, imagine it as like an SNL skit, and it's an SNL. <laughs> It's a it's an SNL skit that would be funny to about 150 people. Exactly, yeah. yeah. But this is dumb, right? I mean, this is this is Apple being stupid. It's incredibly stupid. I cannot understand it. I have heard from a couple of uh, readers around the country, at least, that this uh, security policy is not at every Apple store. Uh, there are some stores where you know people have said, hey, "I've been working at an Apple store for a while. I bring my phone to work every day," and they uh, there is you know. Of course, I bring mm-hmm. my phone to work every day, and I, I, there is no line. It, so maybe it's at stores where there was, is, there have been security problems. I, I, yeah. I'm not quite sure what you know. And Apple, unsurprisingly, isn't forthcoming about it. But it, 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 it apparently is not a policy at every Apple store. May or may not even be the policy at most stores. But it's just common sense that if it's at even if it's just one store that. The clocking in and clocking out should happen after you get through the goddamn line. It, it it's yeah. I, I, yeah. That's not that's not cool. I understand how it happened. How maybe they got into this right? Like I, I'm I'm sympathetic to okay. This story seems to this store seems to have had a problem where we suspect employees might be walking out with merchandise or something. Um, so we're going to have to inspect bags. Okay, I, I kind of get that. Uh, and maybe logistically, it's like, well, you, you know, you the the the, the clock out thing is over here, mm-hmm. and we can only put that. I mean, maybe there's some yeah, reason there, and still. and you optimistically, your the security people optimistically think this will never take, take anybody like, more yeah. than thirty seconds to a minute, right? Right, and they didn't foresee that, like. A whole, you know, 10 employees, 10 or 20 employees at big store, maybe, you know, 20 employees all leave at the same time because their shift ends or maybe more, you know, and therefore right. there's a line and the line can take a while. Um, and you wound up with these employees who should be getting paid spending 15, 20 minutes in a line not getting paid. I mean, it's obviously enough of a problem that they brought a lawsuit. I don't. I mean, I know yeah. some people. You know, some you can complain about some. You know, frivolous lawsuits. This doesn't seem like a frivolous lawsuit to me at all. This seems like no. the system working. This is a legitimate lawsuit, and and uh, what what a class action suit is for. I understand how they got there, but once this got to the point where it became a lawsuit, and and there was even a thing where it trickled up. You know, and and apparently Tim Cook's first awareness of it was him 
and, and it got entered into evidence, him emailing somebody, is this true? Question mark. I totally understand how it, you know, Tim Cook might not, you know, I saw some people saying like, that just shows that Tim Cook is, you know, out of touch because he didn't know it was going. I, Tim Cook it, it could not possibly be aware of the intricacies of day to day policy at every single Apple store in the world. I mean, it would be, <laughs> that would be insane, right? Like you cannot be the CEO of Apple and be aware of things like that. But once it gets to the point where it does trickle up and it becomes a lawsuit, right? And it does cross his desk. I, I, I cannot for the life of me see how Apple's leadership cook to the, you know, their legal team at, at the executive level, how they decided to fight this to the California Supreme Court rather than just pay. I, it, this yeah. is, it just seems so wrong on the face of it. And right. I mean, the, for, a, I mean, in, what is it? It's like it's a few million dollars or something, isn't it? Well, I, I forget. Ten, might be tens of millions. I think. Yeah. I mean, something. Yeah. But still. It, it's not in the range of something that Apple – that's really going to impact their bottom line. I, I guarantee it's, – it's impossible to em- empirically measure PR value. But my my spidey sense says that they've already lost – already lost way more than $20, $30 million of PR value by losing this site and uh, – this, yeah. this lawsuit and having – you know, news sites publicize that Apple, the ri- literally, literally yeah. the richest corporation in the world, exactly. yeah. is making retail employees wait in security lines off the clock. You know, and the the part that I thought it was so absurd is that it left fighting this left Apple's own lawyers arguing that it's a you know you don't have to bring your iPhone to work. <laughs> <laughs> Right. And like somebody else pointed out to me, like, what about Apple Watch? Right. Like, presumably, you know, you would think Apple would say that, you know, that the type of people who they want working in their stores are the type of people who they would like to own an Apple Watch. Right. And I've I've observed it myself. It seems to me like just about everybody who works at Apple Store wears an Apple Watch. I don't know if that does is outside the inspection thing or whatever, but it's like the phone now. Who who doesn't go to work with their phone? I, yeah. I mean, that's insane. That's an absolutely on its face, an absurd argument for Apple of all companies to be arguing. You know, like if if Seven Eleven wanted to argue that its employees don't need to bring their cell phones to work, it's still a BS argument. But Seven Eleven isn't selling iPhones. Selling the actual thing. Yeah. <laughs> It's 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 just it's just a ridiculous yeah. argument. Yeah, no, it doesn't hold water. Uh, or or the argument that you know, I I don't know of a single woman who doesn't take a purse with her to work. I mean, it, it's you know, and uh, plenty of men bring bags to work. You know, it's you know, there's all sorts of you know, it's just ridiculous to say that it's some kind of ridiculous. Priv- you know, you mm-hmm. know, it's a privilege to be able to bring a bag with you to work. <laughs> Like, well, I mean, this is this is nuts. I mean, that's like you know, maybe it's a privilege to be able to bring a bag with you to work if you, you, you working in a prison camp making license plates. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know. I thought that was a very strange story, and and just I, I just don't understand. I mean, and you know, it wasn't like it got lost in in some small court. I mean, this is the California State Supreme Court. Apple's home state. I mean, it's it seems very odd to me that they decided to fight this. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I, there must be some... 
more to it than we're some there's something maybe, we're missing. Or there, yeah, like there's some precedent that they're worried about, or I don't know. I mean, maybe there's another aspect to it that we, you know, consider. But but on the face of it, it certainly seems extremely stupid. <laughs> yeah, and I have to say that one of the privileges of me having the platform that I have is if I'll say something, if I'll post something that says this is stupid, I don't see any. This is no possible explanation for this, and there is, but I didn't see it. Usually, there's at least you know somebody will tweet or email me with the. Yeah, well, but and I'm like, oh, okay, you know, I haven't yeah. seen I haven't seen one person propose a good reason for Apple to yeah. fight this. Yeah. It's it, it yeah. is not it's just a minuscule amount of money for them. Yeah, you know, right. and if if their if their retail stores were eking out, you know, three percent margins, I guess <laughs> I could kind of see it. And I realize that there's a there are a ton of retail businesses that that's true for right. Like how everybody knows that like restaurants, it's a really hard business. Everybody knows that you, you know, a new restaurant opens up and you fall in love with it, and then it closes. It happens all the time because it's a hard business. It's really I really brought hard this, business. I brought this steak to work. <laughs> <laughs> This is my stake. Apple's retail stores are literally the most profitable per square foot of any store in the world. They could afford to pay people to wait in a line that they're making them wait in line for. Oh, man. Uh, all right. Last but not least on my list of uh, of topics is Apple TV. Do you you use Apple TV, right? I do. Yeah. Do you? Do I have, you um... Yeah, I mean, do you mean just use the Apple TV app or you well, watch the shows? Well, Apple TV Plus. Well, both, but you know, yeah. you use the device, right? Yep. The the oh the, yeah 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 the physical device. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, they added multiple users with the the uh, TVOS thirteen. Yeah, and it's and I've set that up, but I don't think anybody's been using it. <laughs> it it it's terrible, and somehow while I was gone on a trip. Uh, it's we have family sharing and family sharing works great. Family sharing is is one of the triumphs of Apple's services business in my experience. Where for my family, you know, with three people, uh, everything, all of our media sharing just works. And anything I've ever purchased on iTunes, Amy and Jonas are able to play it without hiccup whenever they want. It's it's all been great. It's exactly what you want. It feels very fair. Um, but this multiple user thing. So what happened was um, I was out for a weekend or day. I don't know, business trip. I don't know where. But Amy and Jonas wanted to watch a movie. And so they entered Jonas's account as an extra account so they could buy the movie because they didn't have – I don't know. I don't know why they did it. Um, like they should have just <laughs> called me and had me buy the movie on my phone or something. Right. But they didn't. Yeah. They added Jonas as a user. Now we have two users on the Apple TV, me and Jonas. And I'm the one who watches the most stuff on it. Like Jonas watches almost everything on his, you know, on his laptop uh, on his own. And Amy watches mostly stuff on TiVo. And when she does watch Apple TV, it's with me. And so there's no, she doesn't really have a reason, you know, t to do it. But it it I I watch stuff and I'm into I I am enjoying the Star Trek Picard show on uh, the CBS All Access. I don't as, know as am I. All right, that's what I wanted to know. I, I yeah. want to get to that. But <laughs> part of it is you know it, it it's uh, you know it's not like Netflix. It's like most things where it, the show the episodes come out once a week. 
And what I would like to do when a new episode comes out is I'd like to go and go to the TV app and it'll say Picard. I see it and I go there and tap it and it'll know what the next episode I have to watch is. And like two weeks in a row now, it's like gone back to like episode two of the season. Mm. And I'm like, what the hell is going mm-hmm. on? And it's because – and then I, I figured it out. It's because I go to settings, multiple users, and it the Apple TV keeps going back to Jonas instead of me and i i said have you switched this and he's like no i haven't even touched the apple tv in weeks you know (laughs) other than to like sit and watch like a show all three of us together like so the apple tv is somehow switching back to jonas instead of me without me doing it and the insidious part about it is that the interface doesn't show you who who's who who's yeah yeah like netflix has this licked where like I don't know what yeah. the timeout period is, but like after some reasonable timeout period and whatever it is, they've got it right because it never seems annoying. Like, hey, I just told you it was me. You know, I come back to it. It's like it's still me. It's like I don't know. After X amount of time, you fire up Netflix and it says who's watching, and there's me, Amy, and Jonas. And I say it's me, and then it sh- it lets me pick up shows right where I left off, or yeah. Amy or Jonas. It asks you that right at the beginning. Right. And Disney yeah. Plus, which is a brand new app, does the same thing and seemingly works just as well. It's it, Disney Plus, you know, we opened it up when I first signed up for Disney Plus. Uh, I told it about Amy and Jonas, and they're there, and we've got, you know, fun. I, you know, a big advantage Disney Plus has over Netflix or anybody is you get you know you get the whole Disney library of uh, avatars to choose from. Yeah, Netflix. Uh, <laughs> Netflix has really got to get their act together on that. They they've really yeah their yeah their selection is it's not good. Um, not as good. But at, at least you know it just says like who are you and you say who I am and you have one tap and then you're in and then it shows you this stuff like the Apple TV multiple users thing a should not be going back to another user without having specified it. And B, it doesn't show you who's who, right? So it's like, yeah. I, I find there, that- I wonder, does it, does it save? I mean, I wonder if you can like, just as a kludge, fake, the, fake it by putting one on light mode and one on dark mode. Hmm. I, don't I don't know if that stuff is stored that way or I don't, if that's I don't more at a system is. level. I'll try that, but I don't think yeah. it is. And I have my Apple TV set up to do... Uh, Light mode in the daytime and dark mode oh, at the yeah. nighttime. Yeah. Uh, I don't want to mess with that. But anyway, I figured something out last night while being frustrated because last night was when I caught up on the latest episode of Star Trek Picard. Um, I didn't know this. I don't know when they added it. I presume it was actually with TVS 13 along with the multi-user thing. If you hold down the home button on the, on this, the Apple TV remote, that's the button that looks like a TV set. I think it's called the home button. I actually don't even know but it's next to the menu button. If you hold that button down, it actually slides this thing over from the right that looks like, um, what's this thing called on the Mac? The notification center thing? Yeah. It just slides over from the right, and it shows with icons uh-huh. uh, the users who have been set up. And so I and thought... Until, select there? Yeah, you can select okay. there. So it, it'll it, it both highlights who the current user is and lets you change. And so you don't I thought up until last night, I thought the only way to change users was to go settings, yeah, uh, system, <laughs> users, and then pick a user by email address. Uh 
But I, I think hiding it behind, I'm number one, if I didn't know it, I mean, boy, that's a problem, right? Cause A, yeah. I, I watch almost all my non-sports TV on Apple TV. Uh, and B, I'm John Gruber. I'm, I'm, I, I'm a professional, like, <laughs> critic of user interfaces and user of Apple software. You know, like, it, it is a, it is in my yeah. problem. I hope that doesn't sound self-serving, but it, that's a problem if it took me until f- the end of February <laughs> of an OS that's been out for five months to figure out that you can do that. Anyway. I'm trying to like, it, yeah, okay, so I just brought up Netflix on this iPad I have here. And yeah, because it seems like that, like a, like a device like an iPad or an iPhone, you don't need it as much. And, and in a way, those devices would make more sense for you to, because, because they're less likely to be handed around. Whereas the, on the Apple TV, if anything, you want it much more in your face because it's a thing that's attached to a big TV that's sitting in your living room and right. you want to be able to know whose account you're in. Yeah. Do you have a Nintendo switch? Yes. I thought so. Have, so have you, do you use it? I, yeah. Well, I use it to play games. I mean, I've yeah. not. Yeah. Well, the Switch has a terrific interface for who the current user is. It always yeah. shows the users up in the top left, and it very clearly badges who the current one is. Mm-hmm. And it it's it's such a great interface. Like I almost I, I you know I don't know if I'll ever get to it, but I feel like I could do just a a, a I, I feel like it. And if if somebody else has written it, I would love to link to it. But this, <laughs> the only thing I wish it had was that was a passcode for each account, which it doesn't. Have yeah. Passcode. So so Hank is forever getting into my oh. uh, my uh, Breath of the Wild games and screwing them up. <laughs> you used all my arrows. That's see. That's a that's less of a security problem and more of a parental problem. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I have. Right. Like, like you don't need to lock it down for security reasons. You need to lock it down because your son's a bit of a jerk. Mm-hmm. Um, exactly. It's a wonderful user interface, and it's it. I would have told you if you had told me before I had used it that they were going to do a single user interface, not two different presentation modes, but it, it effectively the exact same visual interface. Both for a TV where you interact on a up, down, left, right, D-pad and select button method with a controller and as a handheld touchscreen that you can tap, I would have said, I don't think you can square that circle. Yeah. You know, the, the, the things that make for a good TV size screen, TV sitting distance, D-pad and button interface are i mean just think about the differences between the ipad interface to watching a show and the apple tv interface to watching a show it's they're two totally different interfaces yeah i would have said you i would have thought off the top of my head you can't really square that circle nintendo has done it where either way it doesn't feel like a compromise the tv one doesn't feel like you're using a, a tablet on a TV, but somehow stuck with a D-pad. And when you're actually looking at it on the handheld, it doesn't feel like you're using this giant TV-sized interface squished onto the screen. 
It's yeah. a remarkable accomplishment of user interface design that I, to my knowledge, maybe I'm just not enough. I don't read enough Nintendo sites or something. Hasn't been heralded enough as a triumph of of design and user experience. Um, but boy, I wish Apple TV were a lot more TVOS. I wish was a lot more like Switch OS yeah. in terms of clarity of who you are, where you are. It's it, TV. It, it's it's amazing how they got the Switch so right after the Wii U. Yes, totally. Really, kind of a mess. Yeah, both ways. Like the Wii U was sort of like the opposite, where it was bad on the TV and really bad on the touchscreen. Right. And uh, it just it seems to me like that like Nintendo internally had a full reckoning and said, okay, let's literally go back to the drawing board and start all over and come up with something. But yeah. I would love a TV a version of TVOS that drew that that took notes from everything that Nintendo got right with what I'm calling Switch OS. I don't know what the hell they call their operating system, but uh, the Switch OS offers so much clarity. And I just, in particular for me, you know, and I think it makes sense for anything you have hooked up to your TV, you want to have multi-users. The way that the Switch lets you switch users and shows you who who is the user, I, I can't imagine how it, it's both clear who's who, who's who, and who's current and very obvious how to switch. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's right. That's the, I, that's the thing I was going to say, because even compared to other gaming systems, I think it's much better um, because I don't, I, I struggle. I don't use the devices as much maybe. So maybe that's part of the problem, but I don't, I think just sitting down and trying to figure it out compared to the uh, PS4 yeah. <laughs> or the, or the Xbox one is just like, I mean, it's night and day. It's, it's very obvious on the switch how to do it. And it's way less obvious on those other platforms. PS4. I haven't used in a while. We used to, uh, for a while we had it hooked up to our main TV because it was our DVD player and Jonas played games on it. I didn't really play games for the most part, but I would watch DVDs. But whenever I had to do something, <laughs> yeah, I would, just, <laughs> I, I would be like, you know, no, I would always think to myself, you know, it really does look pretty. Yes. <laughs> like it did the, the PS4 interface to me does have that look of like, this looks like the type of OS that, like production designers for a movie would design for the in <laughs> the fake yeah yeah the fake right, interface right. you know you know or like the you know there's some cool i i always i'm a nerd for that stuff i love looking at the user interfaces in westworld and thank god amy doesn't watch westworld because i often paw <laughs> <laughs> she doesn't like sci-fi stuff so she doesn't watch it but it would it would honestly i'd be divorced at this point because with westworld i i will pause the show and like get up close to the TV to look at the the tablets, you know. <laughs> and I've been doing that with Picard too. I'm like, oh man, that looks cool. <laughs> oh man. Anyway, we've gone on a long time. I want. Do you, I'm really liking the Picard show. Yeah, and yeah. I, I've really I've heard a lot of people complain about the pace of it, but I kind of like it. Um, it's a little slow. It's like you'd think that we would be someplace now where we'd be i don't know ramping up to hmm. something and it still seems like they're putting the team together <laughs> i uh my favorite episode so far was the second to last i i i've uh uh 
and I knew it. I knew it when I saw that the written by credit was Michael Chabon, who yeah. I've I've been a fan of uh, his novels, and I was so excited that he was part of the 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 team, you know, executive yes. producers and the writing team. But the episode that he wrote, the second to last one, was ah, oh, it was so good. That was it was the one where uh, he. Uh, uh, takes upon him. I don't want to spoil it, but he takes upon yeah. himself the you know his traveling partner from the uh, Romulan outpost. Yeah. Um. Oh man, what a good show! What a good episode that was. But I really enjoyed the whole show. And I have to admit, I have skipped. I I was a diehard Star Trek: The Next Generation fan. Absolutely, it was one of my all time favorite shows in my lifetime. Um, never missed an episode. And then in the intervening years, I'd start every episode of, or every series and always petered out. Yeah. I, yeah. I never got into Deep Space Nine. That's the one I gave the biggest try to. Yeah. And yeah, that's a, it, you should check out like one of those things where, you know, where they say, just watch these episodes. Yeah. Yeah. Get, yeah. Get a primer. <laughs> because there are some, particularly Deep Space Nine, I think. And the, the tail end of Deep Space Nine is terrific. Yeah. Um, I do. I, Voyager doesn't have as great a, an arc as yeah. Deep Space Nine develops. Um, but it's got, it's got some, it's got some good. Yeah. Episodes. And then I totally skipped the Scott Bakula one. Yeah. That uh, one you can pretty much totally <laughs> skip. There's some good, there's some good episodes like in the last season, but, um, it's, it's kind of rough going to get there. So <laughs> yeah. anyway, I'm really liking Picard for those of you out here who were Star Trek, the next generation fans. I think yeah. that I think it's worth watching. It is a totally different type of show because yeah, you know, the, the but Star- it is, but it does pay, you know, cr- credit to the whole thing. I mean, it, yeah. it, it uses a lot of elements from various shows. And, you know, if you're a fan of those shows, it it's, it's so great just to have it back on TV. Yeah, I like Discovery, but it's not the same. Yeah, I I, I didn't watch it, and yeah, yeah, and I mean, I I think it's I think it's fun. There's things I like about it, but it doesn't feel anywhere close to uh, you know what I liked about Star Trek. I mean, it feels it's a it's I think it's a decent science fiction show, but it doesn't feel like a really good Star Trek show. Yeah, and this feels like a this feels like a a Star Trek show to me. It feels like a really good Star Trek show, and it's a really good uh, step to the... So the next generation was the traditional, this is drama, and every episode is a self-contained story. Yeah. And there, it, it wasn't necessarily that they didn't go in order, but... You could yeah. more or less tune in. I mean, they had they had certain they had some small arcs in there, but and and then they had they definitely yeah. had some double parters, but um, right, definitely had double parters. But for the yeah. most part, they were all standalone little mini stories. It was you know like an yeah. anth- anthology, whereas this is more like the you know the new mega movie. You know, right, right. Uh, the whole series is like a giant ten hour movie or a twenty hour movie over two two years or something like that, and yeah, it's. It's made the shift in a way that to me feels ex- very natural. Um, yeah, really good. I really like it so far. Anyway, and that's, he's you know he's always a pleasure to watch. Uh, yeah, I, I would. Yeah, it's like I <laughs> I would watch him. Like uh, uh, man, I, I'd, I'd watch anything with. Uh, yeah. Even uh, if, like they can't be stuff in the most recent episode. I really enjoyed. It. I just thought it was funny. Yeah. <laughs> just Any, seeing him. Anything with Patrick nuts. Stewart. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah, and that felt like a throwback to some of the, you know, it was a totally next generation type thing, you know. Yeah. Like yeah. a holodeck episode from the uh from the <laughs> right, next generation. Right. Yeah. 
Uh, anyway, thank you, John. I appreciate it. I really appreciate it. Doubly so because uh, of, of <laughs> the pre-show delays. I'll even apologize on behalf of my mom, who's a delightful woman who you would enjoy it tremendously. Uh, well, I hope let, she has no more technical problems this weekend. Let's plug some some podcasts that that you're on uh, on a regular basis. Uh, I am on The Rebound, uh, where we talk about many of the same things that we talk about on this podcast, and uh, Biff, where we talk about um, superhero shows and movies and turning this car around, where we talk about what a pain my kid is sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> How he uses up all your arrows. <laughs> How he uses up my arrows. <laughs> all right. Let me thank our sponsors. Our sponsors, Squarespace, that's where you go to build a website. Uh Away, that's where you go to buy a new suitcase. And Collide, where you go to manage your fleet of Apple devices or Windows and Linux, too, uh, for your growing company. So my thanks to them. Thank you, John. Thank you. Always a pleasure.